Hey everybody, welcome back to the pod. It's the Dylan Joe. Wait a second, it's something a little different this week. Dylan unfortunately has suffered an accident. Um, he's all right. Don't worry about him. But he was trying to steal a catalytic converter from someone's car, and it fell and bonked him right in the head. He saw flying little canaries around his head, and he was carted away by the authorities. So although he's in stable condition, he is in jail, and uh, we pray for his safe release as soon as possible. We will link to the Patreon page where we're going to uh, try to raise some funds to bail him out. But until then, uh, you reap what you sow, as they say. But lucky for us, we have... None other than our hottest resident covering for us this week and our new podcast side project that we do. And that is none other than, you know him, you'll love him, Wallace's best friend, Dom Morrow. Say hi to the folks, Dom. How you doing, everybody? And I do have a bit of an update on that. We are no longer just best friends. He is my roommate now. Wow, he moved in. Yeah, it's uh, whew. too bad we locked His in His kids for are going to love that. His kids are going to appreciate that much. Oh, no, I, I like when the hair. kids are here. He drinks less. <laughs> I'm sure they like it when he's not there because he drinks not at all. <laughs> <laughs> but we like to tease him. We like to have fun. But, uh, yeah. Uh, shout out to Wallace. I hope he's feeling comfortable in his new environment at uh, at your house. I'm sure you're, you're welcoming him. And, and uh, hopefully also, not putting up with his crap. And also to Dylan. Hope he's enjoying his new environment. Hope he gets out soon. You know, stealing yeah, those metal no toilets—they're not comfortable, and they are very no. cold. Good on, wine, on though. The old butt cheeks. Great wine. I don't know if he's going to have enough time. Hopefully, if we can raise enough money on the uh, GoFundMe page and the Patreon, he won't have enough time to ferment it. But you know, who knows? It's only one way to find out. The people need. To I pay. do wonder about that. Is do you when you're making toilet wine, you just have to use other people's toilets all the time? And if you wake up in the middle of the night in your cell, you, you must have, have to piss yourself. I guess so. I mean, it's it's worth it, I guess. Well, actually, that's, I know this is not what we're talking about tonight, but that no, but I think it's two worth questions that I just thought of for the first time. Yeah, so I just take it for granted, toilet wine. They must have to plug the toilet with something so it doesn't leak out. Because you can only yeah. hold oh. so much in the toilet before. Right, yeah. Because if you put too much in it... I'm guessing they probably, fl- they probably flush it and they try to like drain the water. They probably bail the water out with like a bucket and then plug the hole so there's nothing in there and then they can fill it up with all the uh, ingredients. You don't think they don't use know what, what the, the water are. that's already in there to start because you need water to make wine? Well, in that case, yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I bet they're not getting a lot of grape juice up there. I bet they're stealing grapes over multiple time and mashing it up. No, yeah, you have water. to have, because they, they, I mean, even the grape juice that they serve in prison, I, I imagine has very little grape juice in it and mostly yes. artificial flavors and sugar and whatever else. I don't really know. We should look up a toilet wine recipe. And maybe All right, we'll join us next, next week for how to make toilet wines. <laughs> That's exactly. But we're not talking about that today, but we are talking about high risk individuals, people like Dylan Reed and, um, the idea of putting your body and sometimes your sanity on the line uh, for fame, glory, and uh, I think for the sheer thrill of it. What are we talking about today, Dom? What's our topic? Well, we are talking about daredevils. Now, a daredevil, you know, I think Joe described it pretty well. It's almost more basic. It's just a reckless person that enjoys doing dangerous things. Yeah, I don't even think you necessarily need to be on film or being watched. You're a daredevil whether you're observed or not. But the ones we talk about today, obviously, are the ones we've observed because they're the famous ones, the ones that stick out 
the ones that are uh, doing that kind of crazy rich behavior, but um, they're making some money and getting some fame off of it because they are the uh, the, the tippity top of the cream of the crop when it comes to being a nut. Yes, you know when uh when you see a cliff and your friends go, "Hey, wouldn't it be crazy you jumped off of that?" and you go, "Oh yeah, man, that'd be nuts." Any daredevil would go, "Well, yeah, let's do it." Like right then, doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm gonna do it right now. It's like, no, dude, you don't have to. Yeah. Like I'm not doing this because of you. I want to jump off that thing. I want to do it anyway. I'm just glad I had the idea. Yeah, I think that impulsiveness is definitely a must-have character trait of daredevils because the more you think about shit and the more you kind of weigh your options and think about like what could be happening here, like think about the risks that much, it's got to just take you off the ledge completely and go, oh, you know, it's not really worth it in the long run. I'm sure that obviously when they do their stunts, it's well-prepared and well-thought-out, but if you think about all the bad things that could happen and you don't think about the thrill and the glory of accomplishing it, you're not going to be able to do it. And that's why not everyone can be a daredevil. I mean, it takes a certain kind of cat. I think you really have to be born with that trait. And it can be fostered in you by your family or your friends or whatever. Um, but I don't think that everyone can become a daredevil. I mean, it's really just like an inherent characteristic of people to want to seek that uh, that risk and that thrill that, that, that daredevils do seek. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, as Lady Gaga said, you, you just got to be born that way. You, oh, I you, you don't learn say, how uh, to be a Mama ulala, mama. <laughs> but that's another good quote by her. Yeah. But uh, I think another important thing about Daredevil is, you know, a lot of people define the like what they're doing as death-defying. And it's like, sure. oh, he, that man's not scared of death. And I don't think that's true. In order to be mm-hmm. a successful uh, Daredevil, you have to have that little thing in the back of your head going, well, if I die doing this, I can't do anything like this ever again. True. I think that I is think what keeps them I think the fear of death... Yeah, I think the fear of death is actually what, what drives them. If they weren't afraid of it, they wouldn't even really get that buzz out of it that they get from defying death. I mean, if you're not afraid of death, it's just kind of like you're walking through, you know, uh, the valley of death and you're in an Amish paradise there. That's really not the thrill that the daredevils are seeking. They're seeking that crazy buzz and that adrenaline rush. And if you don't understand that you could die in this, I don't think you get as much out of it. I think they, they are well aware of the danger and that makes it that much more thrilling and probably uh, fulfilling for daredevils, if I had to guess. I'm not this way at all, though. Yeah, I... Other than jumping off like a 10, 15-foot cliff into water or doing a roller coaster, I'm definitely no daredevil. That's about my extent of the daredevil-y things that I've ever done, yeah. Most of my shit is uh, more risky uh, socially than it is physically. (laughs) And we'll leave it at that. A lot of people I don't want (laughs) to ever watch anything off of this channel. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I think I forgot to mention earlier that we we have a new format, folks. We're we're off of Zoom. We're, We're pros now. It's about time. We're, you know, we're a while into the pod now. Uh, we're about two years in, and I figure we're going to upgrade from our Zoom calls we're doing into something a little more professional. I hope it sounds better. I hope it looks better. I know it does for me right now, so let's hope it pans out that way. But it also, I'm not sure about the whole format with the video. Last time I checked it, though, it's showing both of us at the same time, which is a new concept for the pod, which is oh, to me that, that we were that both is, being That visible. is good to know. Because like, yeah, I could so have been like, you can doing this before, but you couldn't right. see it because well, I wasn't talking. You. Right, <laughs> exactly. We missed a lot of stuff on the pod from when people were just doing miming and doing funny faces and stuff that you couldn't even see. And not only that, when people were talking over each other, it was cutting out their audio because it just the Zoom can't decide what it wants to show. And uh, from what we can see, 
wherever we talk over each other, which happens quite Why often awesome. on this podcast. Uh, there you go. Uh, we should be able to hear it all all good there, and we'll, this will be our dry run for that. But uh, it's well, actually I, a wet run, soaking wet run. But I want to uh, take this time to thank you for telling me that seven and a half minutes in and not an hour in. Yeah, I forgot to mention that. I'm glad I did. <laughs> I don't think I picked my nose at all. Well, if you do, uh, don't worry about it's it. It's all, you know, all uh, I can edit. I can edit anything out. All stays in. I can edit I anything it. you don't want out. Stays in, obviously. But yeah, no, well, with that being said, do you want to give us um, the first daredevil, or should I get started? Let's, let's let's get into our daredevils here, the famous daredevils throughout history that are the pinnacles of the thrill seekers and the uh, I don't know, they just push the limits of risking your life, and and it's it's a lot of fun to watch, which I think is a big part of it. I know for them it's not as big, but for all us viewers, all us non daredevils, all us uh, bridge jumpers and roller coaster riders, that that's as close as we get to it. I get a lot out of watching this shit. It's thrilling. It's definitely entertaining. And it's definitely stressful. And, uh, you know, they always seem to put it on TV at the strangest times. Like when the most possible people could be watching it. Uh, that you mean like bring... during the Super Bowl? I mean, maybe a little bit of Super Bowl there. <laughs> <laughs> was that I the Super Bowl, would... the whole Janet Jackson thing, or was that just the playoffs? No, that was the, the Super, Super Bowl. Bowl. Yeah. I was too young. <laughs> Thank you for making it more obvious. Thank you for making more obvious because I didn't. I didn't put that together. I just thought you were grabbing a titty just as a recreation. Yeah, I was you were trying to pull it a flap a down, but it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he goes, "I'm a have you nigga by the end of this song," and he rips it off, and they're like, "That was a wardrobe malfunction." Like, well, then why did he say it after he said the words, "I'll have you nigga by the end of this song"? Any other time is more plausible well, than the, I. The claim that. is that she was supposed to have a Something bra on under underneath it. it. And then he yeah. was supposed to rip that. Yes, so that was know. the key. Basically, there's there's two options here, um, and then we'll yeah, there's you know, left or right. Yes. Okay, so there's four options here. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, either you know someone fucked up, forgot to give her the bra to wear, and she didn't think about it until it happened, or she was like, "Where is my career at?" That I need to join Justin Timberlake in the halftime show. This will really mm-hmm. get me back up there. I mean, it and that is why she is number the ten guys. best daredevil of all time. <laughs> <laughs> to be clear, I know Dom usually offers this. We're not doing our votes for a countdown yeah, here I, today. I know, I know, I know. But that was a great fit because, yeah, I mean, she definitely did that stunt in front of more eyeballs than probably any other daredevil stunt in human history. I mean. More people watched the Super Bowl than any other event on television in America, plus everyone who was there in person. I mean, not, not no spoilers for our future Daredevils we're going to talk about, but Daredevils are famous, but not Super Bowl Janet Jackson titty famous. I mean, that's a whole other level. No, not at all. Um, so I, I will start off. I, I will bring up uh, one Daredevil that honestly... Oh, but real quick, I do think that they had Michael Jackson, uh, the, Pepsi halftime, the Pepsi halftime show, before they were on. And I think they wanted to have Michael Jackson back on, so they took Janet Jackson and Justin Timberlake, and they figured that's close enough. <laughs> if you combine <laughs> Janet Jackson and Justin Timberlake, that's kind of Michael Jackson. Is, yeah, you think yeah. about it. Oh, man. Now, do either of them know Macaulay Culkin? <laughs> oh, I hope not. I hope Macaulay didn't have to be subjected to even further shit of that. Um, no. All right, but well, I'm sure that Janet probably knew him because he was chained up in the backyard for half a year. <laughs> okay. In between Home Alone 1 and 2. Um, <laughs> Neverland Ranch won. But uh, yeah, Daredevils. 
Uh, I have one to talk about that, to Let's be quite it. honest with, I just thought of, and I think he fits the Daredevil category. And please be honest going forward here. I don't need any liars on the And on the that is, uh, though his was more for recorded films, it still, I think, is Daredevilish. Is uh, Buster Keaton. Oh, that's a great one. That's a great one. Did all his own stunts, famously. All his own stunts. That, that famous trope you always see of the front of a house falling down. And the person, the guy standing there right through the window, he was the first one to do that. And they actually had to drop the front of the house on him. And coming down, it actually caught his shoulder and broke it. Damn. But he just kept going. Consummate and they, professional. And they got it first take. It's funny you brought that up because I brought up Amish Paradise earlier briefly. And in the Amish Paradise music video, they did the same thing like Buster Keaton and Weird Al had to actually stand in it the same way. He didn't get his shoulder clipped like Keaton, but also he's not a pro like Keaton either. But that, yeah, that's awesome. He's got a bunch of stunts like the train one where he has to stand in front of a mo- or sit on a moving train and be grabbing train ties and doing all kinds and, of tricks. Yeah, like, he, has to he could easily die in any and then of those. throw it to knock another one off. It's crazy. I mean, he did uh, sitting on the handlebars of a motorcycle and driving it that way and making it seem like he has no control over it. Grabbing onto Absolutely cars wild. as they're driving by so they pull him. I mean, he did some crazy stuff for, you know, early, early comedies. I mean, it's talking about making the most out of it. There's no talking. How do you be funny with no talking and be thrilling and amazing? People want to keep going back to watch you. I mean, he's a movie star before you could talk in a movie. I mean, that, that takes a lot different skill set than, you know, all the best actors today that can sit at a table in a courtroom and deliver a, a thrilling speech and be like, this is changing the world. He just had to sit there, you know, silently and make an amazing film out of him doing crazy shit, which obviously he had to practice millions of times. But, like, I think he definitely counts as a daredevil in that sense. I mean, and, and entertaining. World's famous. Yeah. I, you know, I think I think a big part of this is, you know, how many – I know we said that they're doing it for themselves, but how many eyes can you have on you? Yeah, uh, that ups the pressure, makes it more of a thrill. Yeah, and also the, I mean, especially in the time of silent film era, there's no, uh, uh, one more take, one more take. I mean, they were rolling these cameras the size of a VW. They're like, you better nail this, Buster. <laughs> Every piece of this tape is helping Buster, the Nazi war. You effort. better get this. <laughs> hey, Buster. And uh, very little known fact about him: uh, his great great granddaughter is actually Michael Keaton. Oh, that is very interesting. Yeah, he transitioned, so he became. Yeah, uh, uh, I was, was going to talk about um, Buster Keaton's godson, Buster Rhymes. Oh yeah, they're cousins, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, his uh, his brother-in-law, Buster Brown. So that was very controversial at the time. <laughs> <laughs> Still oh. is, depending on what part of the country you go to. But yeah, I mean, that guy's an absolute legend. Uh, if anyone hasn't checked him out already, I'm sure you can find a YouTube, of like a five-minute video just of, like, compilation Buster Keaton's best things. I mean, it's it even holds up now, sense. almost 100 years later. It's it's just great. Yeah, I mean. Like I mean people like Rowan Atkinson, you know, Mr. Bean, and all people who are, like, uh, Jim Carrey, like, all those people who are big into, like, physical comedy, every one of those guys not only is hilarious, but they'll say, that's a definitely an inspiration, like, before their time. Oh, like, yeah. This guy could be One funny without talking. I mean, there wouldn't be no Mr. Bean if it wasn't for Buster Keaton. I think that's this pretty clear. 
Who knows what he could be? Mr. Potato Head. I don't even know. Mr. <laughs> Bangers and Mash. Another British dish, I'm sure, but something else. Uh, I'm sure it is. Mr. English Breakfast. Johnny English Breakfast. No. Johnny English Muffin. <laughs> Johnny on the spot. I will say, so, I, I, have, I, I listen up... to Tuesdays, the drive back to my house, so I kind of have that yeah. fucking linked up together <laughs> so, thing going on. Rattle them off. <laughs> so I, I got my first one here. And we actually brought this up as part of our uh, rare bug, as part of our uh, top five or top whatever you the top six cars uh, list we did. We and one of mine was one of the ones I picked was, which was currently recorded as the fastest car in history, which is on the uh, Salt Flats of Utah. That's the fastest place you can go. It's the flattest, the least moisture, least uh, weather anomalies just going out on them. And this is a similar story between Donald Campbell or Campbell, I think you actually pronounce it. Throughout the 1950s and 60s, Campbell wrote eight speed records. He broke both land and water records. I mean, this guy had the need for speed underground too. And that included him going up to 403 miles per hour on land and 276, rather, miles per hour in the water. I mean, this guy was a daredevil in every sense of the world. And maybe he couldn't put his body... And all the contortions and weirdness of Buster Keaton, but he was going faster than any human would go on land and on water. And at any moment, you know, you talk about speed wobbles when you're on a uh, skateboard or a motorcycle. Like, think about going 400 miles per hour or 200 miles per hour on the water. If you hit one little rough wave or one odd clip, you'll just go ass over tea kettle, which we've also watched on the pod before. I've seen speedboats just flip oh, 20 yeah. feet in the air. All it takes is a little bit of difference when you're going that fast, and it'll destroy it's really, you. Really, it's just a little bit of air underneath. All that up momentum's go. going somewhere. It's going right up in the air. So yeah, I, and surprisingly, he did not die um, until <laughs> 1967, <laughs> where he did die. <laughs> 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 breaking another water speed record uh he was riding that boat hard and fast and while he was attempting that to break his own record i believe uh he crashed the boat and he died and his body was not recovered until the year 2001 so wow. that is brutal that they is had rough. a funeral with a, a picture of him and probably some kind of a jet engine to put in the ground because he was lost in the water until uh, you know nearly fifty year, forty plus years later. So badass, Donald Campbell. He had the need for speed, and it killed him. Which any daredevil knows going into it. That's part of the game. You can always die doing it, and countless daredevils have died doing what they say. They die doing what he loved. You can't and, deny that. And you know what? It's uh, you know pretty common. It's like when does the worst thing happen when they're trying to break their own record? Yeah. There's almost no need That's for how Tony it, Hawk it's died. that drive. <laughs> Tony Hawk tried to do the, the, 18, the 1800, and he just yeah, twisted yeah. the night away. And <laughs> the Van Halen completely... song? Twisted the night away? Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Tony Hawk tried to do the 1800, and now his head is backwards now. That's brutal. Well, that's fine until you try to turn the background the right way. Um, that's why he. That's why they won't turn it back. Cause they another uh, interesting thing about uh, Donald Campbell. Uh, mm-hmm. Although he was most known for his speed records in the fifties and sixties, he actually set yeah. his 
first speed record in 1935 in uh, what they called the Bluebird, which what's that? Like uh, like most speed record vehicles are built from scratch, completely unique designs, but just yeah, they're not stock. As, you know, in the 30s, they were building cars that were houses on top of platforms, and mm. they just what do you mean miles per gallon? <laughs> this stuff's never gonna run out. Yeah, there's no there's there's no paved roads. We don't need to go over thirty five miles an hour. And no then problem. you get uh, Donald Campbell there going, "Let's design this car. It goes super fast." I don't remember how fast he went in nineteen thirty five, but he did it. At that time, it could have gone fifty miles an hour, and people would have shit their britches and their pantaloons. All right, maybe not that far back, but you see what I'm at point. Their knickers. Very nice. All righty. So, what about the next one? You got another one for me? Um, yeah, I got one. Uh, Johnny Blaze, also known as Ghost oh Rider. Oh my god! <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude! <laughs> Ghost Rider, the man who was a who was a stunt man and a daredevil in his life before he was uh, cursed with Hard. Hellfire. I don't remember what happens there. Um, right? He makes a deal with the He's, devil, basically. The devil the brings him back to life, or guardian. Nice. It's basically, yeah. yeah, you know, uh, basically. I don't know if in the comic books of the original Ghost Rider he's a stunt double. I mean, not. I mean, a, a daredevil. I believe he is. I think that's accurate. All yeah. I know is a lot of stuff in the movie is not in the comics, but his backstory I think is the same. Quite. Uh, I'll look that up. But uh, from what I remember from the 2007 film Ghost Rider that I saw in theaters, which uh, <laughs> I believe got a 37 percent of Rotten Tomatoes. Um, of course, pretty I good. Nicholas Cage. That's far from his worst tomato score. If you look at his catalog, it's also far from he's his got, worst movie. Yeah, I mean, he's got at least ten movies I can think of at the top of my head that have gotten worse tomato scores and are worse than that. Um, but yeah, that whole and most of them happened in the past after Ghost Rider. Actually, <laughs> almost all yeah, of them happened after. Let's Ghost just Rider. let's just settle it now. Ghost Rider was his peak. It was his peak. It never goes up from there. Uh, the closest he ever until been uh, his most era. recent movie, the unbearable Where he plays weight himself. of talent. Yeah, that's yeah. that's his first good movie in some time. Yeah, um, but no, the, the, we're the, looking at you, Sarge, you you Nicholas Cage apologist. <laughs> this, uh, you know, the whole his whole backstory is that he started out working in a circus with his father, doing daredevil oh, stuff, uh, riding motorcycles. All time, as far as daredevils go, yeah, jumping uh, rings of fire, doing crazy. You know, at, you know, crazy dirt bike stuff. Nothing too crazy that they could get hurt because they had to make money at the circus to stay with the circus as yeah. circuses go. But I think we'll find going through the list that the circus has been a haven for daredevils long before uh, video cameras came out. I mean, that's where if you're willing to risk life and limb for the thrill of the crowd and the, the adrenaline of the dare, I mean, the circus was the place to be for hundreds of years if you're a daredevil. Yeah, it was, yeah. Best place, first place you could find someone to pay you to do it, which is the key, especially when you can't eat. Yeah, I can't um, read, but I can do twenty flips on a motorcycle. You're in, kid. You're gonna go in places you until you get a, a spinal cord bitch. injury, and then you're <laughs> you son of a bitch. You're in <laughs> until you have a spinal cord injury, and then you never do it again. But until then, let's yeah. keep going. But uh, famously in the movie, uh, Johnny Blaze was not a very good daredevil. He never died because he had that deal with the daredevil right but which is kind of cheating if you landed. can't die 
this is true. But the one thing he did land was he was jumping end zone to end zone, which is very obviously not possible. But uh, he pulled it off. I don't know. We'll go. We'll talk about Daredevils later. They might have been able to. Pull it he uh, then they, they brought that's a hundred yards. Oh yeah, that's right. It's not that much. Never mind. <laughs> no, no, no. It is. I mean, it a is lot, a lot. But... It is, yeah. and sometimes I and it I might very well how, be impossible. I always think about fields are longer than that sometimes. Yeah, know, what is still insane. I mean, that's it's a lot. I wonder how many you school know. buses that's going to be. Spoiler. See, well, he didn't do school buses. He did helicopters with rotating blades. He jumped. Hell yeah! That way, if even if you land, you you're will die. Going to die. But he fucking had nitrous in his motorcycle. Ripped her hard. And in his veins. Made it right through. Oh, well, he drinks NOS. Not the energy drink. <laughs> the Liquefied nitrous oxide. Nitrous oxide. Yeah. Liquefied. He drinks it. And, yeah, and it doesn't really get to his veins because he immediately ignites and only his skeleton is alive still. I mean, I didn't see it coming. What's his name? Johnny Blaze? Johnny Blaze. And, yes, I did have to look that up because I couldn't remember what it was. Yeah, um, I was say... confused with the with the other Marvel guy, Johnny Storm, who's the Human Torch, who's yeah. also on fire, and it's also named Johnny. <laughs> Johnny, do um, for Johnny, man. I will say that was the first movie where I ever saw them do. Uh... Honestly, I can't think of any other examples, but I, there's no way this movie invented it. Where someone's about ghost fire is about to kill someone, and the guy goes, "Please have mercy," and he goes, "Sorry, all out of mercy." And kills him. And I was like, <laughs> 10, I was like, that's so fucking cool. He's the shit. I used to think of how we live. I came here to chew bubblegum and kick ass, send them all out of bubblegum. <laughs> yeah, that one's used a lot more. Even the uh, yeah. Dacian Confused, the guy's like, I came here to drink beer and kick kiss, kick ass. And he downs his beer and crushes it and goes, looks like I'm all out of beer. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great, it's a great line. They live rocks. I don't know if that canonically lives up to that because I feel like that movie is set before that movie came out, but let's not get into semantics here. <laughs> Rowdy Roddy Piper is my next on the list. Wrestler, stuntman, legend. Also plays the maniac on Always Sunny in Philadelphia. The maniac loves you. He died a couple years ago. Rest in peace, Roddy Piper. Used to come into the wrestling ring playing bagpipes. I mean, you got to respect that. Mad Piper himself. He sure was. Um... So I think uh, if it's okay with you, let's take our first commercial break. Yeah, I'm good with that. And small drums called tom-toms. <laughs> there you go. It's the scare that's in Maryland, Puerto Rican and Irish, and ever so stylish. The sexiest being since John Stamos, Jeff Ramos. Now, let's learn how to play a rock and roll rhythm. No, it's like uh, I was watching some of the clips that we took up in New Hampshire. And uh, when, yeah. when we're trying to get people ready for making their uh, their walk-up videos, and I Dylan's talking about talking about it, and from the back of the camera, you hear me go, yeah, I mean, if it's not good, we just won't. We'll edit it out. And you go, no one watches it. <laughs> you're like i watch it to Dude. make sure it works and that's it and dylan's like yeah one person sees it just have fun 
<laughs> yeah, that's at the end of the last podcast. Oh, really? <laughs> that whole that whole clip is yeah. <laughs> and there's you hear Jeff in the background. You go, oh, I love you, dude. <laughs> it's great. So yeah, the folks saw it last week. Uh, the clips of me, you, and Dylan. And uh, next week they're going to see Andrew and uh, Jeff and whoever else did it besides Brian, who has no balls. Uh, uh, Aaron. Then Brian was the only one that didn't do it. Yeah, Aaron. We'll do Aaron to do it too. Oh, Mark wasn't there. No, he had already departed. Departed. I also forgot to show you the newest and best edition, maybe of the, uh, which is pulling up the media page, and you can do stuff like this. Mm. I can play stuff during it. I'm just seeing you right now. <laughs> Maybe because I'm on I my forgot phone. last time. No, what it is is that you have to change it to live, and I always forget because oh, it, it, it might just be like test it in my ears oh, yeah, and be yeah, like, yeah. you sure it's oh, good? Actually, it's like, if I click smart. it, I know it's good. It sounds a little something like this. It's a basement podcast. <laughs> nice. You guys like it's, it's like a soundboard. It's a, it is. Oh, it's a soundboard. You can, get you can get like Wallace going, what's a podcast? Oh, I gotta get those drops. I gotta get those full drops like this one. It's the last one I'll do. Listen to the Dylan and Joe Basement podcast if you get down with bad bitches. I go hard in the paint every fucking night. Boom, shock, lock. <coughs> That's Stephen Hawking, our uh, number two best listener. Listens from the grave, thanks to his vast knowledge of. <laughs> He's not in the grave. He's amongst the stars now. <laughs> he went into a black hole, and he was he specifically requested when he was died. You know, some people wanted to be buried at sea. He, they they requested that he requested he'd be launched into a black hole. So, in I think around ten to twenty thousand years, he's going to be able to reach one, and then eventually his body will be uh, submitted to the ultimate indignity of outer space being spaghettified which is the scientific term yeah. spaghettification when your atoms are ripped apart faster at your feet than your head at the speed of light it should be well fun. you know do you know where like how he's getting to the black hole because i know how he's getting to the black hole how is he um he's hole? in that tesla that they shot up a couple of years ago <laughs> yeah they put him in the Tesla. He's not. He's not the spaceman mannequin. He's in the trunk. Yeah, the frunk. He's, he's in the frunk because it's an electric car. <laughs> All right, he's in the frunk. He's gonna get crunk in the frunk. <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude. Hawking's the shit. A, tr a true daredevil. Of, uh, risky behavior. Right. True daredevil. Let's get back into our daredevils here. The next one I have on the list is. Um, a little person by the name of Elaine Robert. And this guy actually had seen videos Wait. of on YouTube. I didn't know his name. His name's Elaine? Yeah, but he's French. So oh, okay. in American, he'd be called Alan. But he's like, Alain. Alain Robert. It's probably Robert, too, not Robert. Mm -hmm. But Alain Robert of France. Of France. He's better known as the French Spider-Man. The human spider. Spider-Man. the man spider. <laughs> I was I didn't go to Spider Man. I went as Man Spider, <laughs> and uh, he's a free climber. He's one of those guys, a uh, free solo, one of those kind of dudes who just climbs with no carabiners or harnesses. <laughs> That's a great JJJ. Well done. <laughs> so this guy would just climb uh, 
cliffs and rocks and most importantly for his spider-man moniker buildings without any net or anything just he would have a little baggie of chalk like the free climbers do <laughs> and he would just climb skyscrapers with no net and he made it many different places and obviously he did it illegally a lot of the time but as you get more and more famous you are allowed to climb <laughs> and do deadly things because you have insurance and you're paying taxes then they let you do it it's just if you do it for free, it's a problem. But he did it enough for free that he got famous enough to do it. And he climbed such skyscrapers as the Willis Tower in Chicago, the Patronus Tower in Malaysia, which is also how Harry Potter gets the Death Eaters to go away. Expecto Patronum! So, so you're saying also, that, uh, that Ellen Roberts Patronus is a skyscraper? Yeah. Well, Patronus is a skyscraper, yeah. But Alain Robert, he also climbed, which we all know, from our old podcast we did um, on, I think we did Spin the Wheel, is the the Mia, I mean the Burj Khalifa, which is the tallest skyscraper in the world, and it's in uh, Dubai. That's 2,700 feet, which is a little more than half a mile high, and he did it without any nets, without any harnesses, and he just climbed it up like an actual Spider-Man. And as hard as it must be to climb up that thing, it's got to be hard to climb down. <laughs> yeah, this is true. It's illegal what he's doing. So maybe for some of those stunts, he had you know to take the stairs back down to the elevator. But how he got good at it, he just had to climb up and climb down and hope the cops don't get him. And usually, what happened was that he would climb down, and when he got to the bottom, he would have to jump into handcuffs because they'd just be waiting for him. Like when you get down, there's, here, a, there's only one way back here. We're not going to pick you up at the top. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he was arrested multiple times and. uh yeah, it was, it was illegal, but you know, if you're if you're 2,700 feet into the sky holding on the side of a building, I don't think your fear of being arrested is even close in your mind. I mean, you're you're free as as free can be. The French Spider-Man. You know, that's that actually a pretty interesting thing. And uh, even just in the holding cells, a couple guys around. What are you in for? Uh, drunk driving. What are you in for? Uh, I tried to rob a convenience store. How about you? Uh, see that skyscraper? Yeah, I climbed up it, and then I went back down. They didn't like that. <laughs> they didn't like that much at all. They didn't even bring a parachute. Uh, I mean, I wonder if it's one of those things where uh, you could maybe go to, with a good enough lawyer, go to court, and be like, what law did I break? Like, uh, trespassing. Like, I didn't go in the building. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he he didn't serve any prison time. Yeah. I'm sure it's just fine. It's like, we have, have to do this, or else everyone's going to try to do it. Yeah, I wonder if you can get him for, like, uh, public menace um, or, like, how you're not allowed to public endangerment suicide legally. Yeah, yeah, yeah endangerment because you could fall on somebody. Yeah, I think you probably get him for all kinds of nitpicky stuff. And, of course, in uh, the UAE or in other countries like Malaysia, I'm sure they have a much more strict laws about anything, which is like, oh, you broke the law. You didn't do what we wanted you to do. That's the law <laughs> here. <laughs> you're now sentenced uh, to Definitely, death. it's no bird law. No, no, he's not versed in bird law. Which, if he was a bird, this would be far less impressive. Well, it depends. I mean, having a penguin climb up 2,700 feet would be pretty impressive. Good point. But more Good impressive point. would be having the Touché. penguin climb back down. <laughs> they have no hands. <laughs> They're doing that. They'd be better walk. Off. Yeah. Oh, seeing a pavement, uh, a pavement. A pavement penguin? A penguin dive bomb into the pavement <laughs> a thousand feet up. Uh, I mean glorious sight uh, 
Happy he's feet. He's beautiful form, though. It's so natural to dive for him. He's so aerodynamic when he fights. <laughs> Get more on a dog. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Do so you want me to keep going? Um, I, I, got, I got no. I got one. I got one. All right. Um, Daredevil. A little folks. more Daredevil. modern of a Daredevil who also, I, I'd say, came to fame not for her Daredevil-ish ing things, but uh, this is kind of how ish things. Okay. <laughs> yes. This is kind of how she got. Uh, well, it was her initial mechanical uh, background. That right, so got her into this. Woman on the list, but also, which we do know real quick that um, statistically, men are much more uh, common to and have more pro- pro- proclivity to risky behavior and life in danger behavior. On average, men are a lot more likely to die in stunts and crazy accidents because, for whatever reason, genetically, men are more inclined to put themselves in danger and. Whether it be smart and honorable or stupidity, uh, men are more likely to die in sh- stupid shit like Can't this. Confirm. So it's it's fun to uh, hear our first lady on the list here. Uh, so uh, her name is Jessie Combs, the fastest woman on four wheels. Uh, you wow. may recognize her from, I think she did about five seasons on MythBusters. Uh, she was anytime. Gotcha. I only know Carrie. I don't know Jesse. Yeah, she anytime they did anything with a car, where they had to modify a car or anything like that, she would come in and she yeah. would do the work on the cars. Uh, she was a mechanic. She actually started uh, the first all woman woman only mechanic shop. Nice. And but uh, and that's what kind of got her started into racing. Then she started doing. Uh, I don't know what the shop was called, but I know what it wasn't called. Mufflers, nuts and bolts. <laughs> <laughs> it was called mufflers. Yes. There it is. Oh. It's called Great Mufflers. <laughs> Lurs. Yeah, sorry. We ran, we ran out of room on our sign. We had to put that part under it. Um, right, we can do this for 10 minutes. Good. Instant transmission. Whores <laughs> <laughs> uh, power. All right, uh, I'm done. Um, but, uh, yes, yeah, so then she's... Did a lot of uh, broke a lot of speed records. She actually set her first record in uh, 2013, then in 2016 broke her own record, and then in 2019 she unfortunately died trying to break her own record again. There we go again, breaking her own speed records. And, uh, she she the wasn't on a, not to be quelled. She wasn't on a salt flat. She was it, was it was a dried up lake bed, but it wasn't salt. It was in uh, Oregon somewhere. You really shouldn't say that about her. I mean, just because it's a lazy dried up lake bed. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> okay. But uh, uh, when she did fault. crash and unfortunately die, um, she was in a jet oh, car. Um, the moment of collision, she was going 522 miles an hour. Holy shit! That's almost 100 miles an hour over the guy <laughs> that I talked about earlier. Damn. And uh, you know, but it's like we were talking before. It's that desire to just keep pushing and pushing and pushing. See what you can do. Yeah. There's can only one way it? to end it. Yeah, either you get too old to do it or you die. And I'm sure. I mean, she was never going to I'm stop. sure she would have loved to live longer, but also, if she, I bet if she was ever asked, how do you want to die? She'd say, going fast. Yeah, she wanted to go fast. I mean, what's she going to. I mean, what does she want to do? Have to sit in a hospital bed for 12 months or just have the need for speed breaking her own record once yeah. again? What a badass. Uh, also, uh, 39 years old at the time. Oh, man. I mean, obviously, young. For a human to die in the modern age, but 
pretty old for a stunt person. I mean, the older this is definitely a young person's game. A lot of these stunts because like the older you get, the more you realize how finite life is and how precious it is. And your body it takes a toll. I mean, sit even just going you know that fast in the car, it's not just like sitting in a recliner and hitting go. I mean, it takes a lot out of people to do these crazy daredevil stunts, and it's a physical demand on your body that has to take years off your life, even without an accident. Just the sheer stress and the you know, wear and tear on your body to do these kind of stunts. It takes a lot out of you. Just ask Jackie Chan. This is true. Jackie Chan, wonderful human being. But, uh, so yeah, that's, uh, that's what Stunt I have Man on Jesse right. Combs, world's fastest woman on four wheels. Jesse Combs, hell yeah. So I'm going to bring up my last one before our, uh, our, our heavy hitters here in our final segment. And that is, um, I don't know if you remember this guy, but I remember watching this live, which is one of the few stunts, uh, Daredevil kind of stunts that I've seen live. Obviously, I've watched clips of a lot of these different things, including, uh, you know, all kinds of bus jumps and, you know, X Games stuff that you might see. Uh, but this one I did see live, and it was a man by the name of Felix Baumgartner. Have you ever heard of this guy? Yes, I remember this. And he, I believe, still currently holds the record for the longest or highest, however you want to put it, the biggest skydive in the history of the world. Because he didn't just skydive out of the, the highest a plane can fly. He skydove, or dived, however you say it, from outer space. He wore an, basically an astronaut suit with its own oxygen supply because he was going beyond where there's breathable air and beyond where your body can handle it because it gets so ice cold in the vacuum of space. Of course, he wasn't actually out of orbit. That takes, you know, miles and miles off the planet Earth, but he got as high as you can get while still being in Earth's atmosphere at the very edge where the atmosphere kind of that weird flux between the actual part you could call Earth and the part you could call space. He jumped off of that. And did he take a plane? No. Helicopter? No. He took a fucking balloon. Like the Wizard of Oz. He sat on a balloon. Yeah. You know, I'm surprised he didn't see, uh, you know, the mom from Moody's Point up there. (laughs) Yeah. She might have gone right by him. He was like, just jump. Just jump. Do it. And, yeah, I mean, he, he got all the way up there. I can't imagine that waiting period. I mean, I watched probably like a 45 minutes of it before he jumped. And just looking down and just seeing the earth get smaller and smaller as you rise up and up and up. And I might think I'm going to slip or something like that. But to make that decision just to, like, let it loose. I mean, the guy had uh, balls of steel. And you get to watch the whole thing, not only as a camera from the balloon, but he had a camera on his helmet so you could watch him descending onto Earth. And, you know, he hitting terminal velocity pretty early on, obviously, because uh, he was so fucking high up. But it took a lot of moving parts to get that, and obviously a lot of test jumps to make the suit work. So many things could have gone wrong with it. Never mind the parachute and everything else he had to do. Um, I mean, you know when you're jumping off a high uh, place, like a bridge or a, a high dive at a pool, how long it feels, two, three seconds, feels like ages. He that guy fell for minutes. minutes. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's out of Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I remember, I remember watching that live and i remember i watched it with my mom oh you saw it live too i mean it was just and my mom we were sitting there and she was like you know i bet this is like the closest thing we have now to the apollo moon landing was every so many people everyone just sat down and watched it to the point where a door-to-door salesman actually came to our house during it my mom ran to the door she was like oh she goes not interested i'm watching the space jump and the lady was like 
what? She goes, I got to go and close the door and ran back in to watch it. We, <laughs> you know, he, you no, watch it float up. Yeah. Then he sat there. He didn't get up there and jump off right away. They had to do all tests and make sure it was good to go. All the clearing. And um, an interesting thing about uh, him was... Also, he couldn't just land in the ocean. He had to land where they could find yes, him. He yeah. couldn't just jump off of the fucking ocean. You know, yeah, it's not like coming back and from space. And also, the Earth is rotating. Floats. It's... Yeah. And when you're that high up, the Earth is rotating underneath you. And the amount of time you're spending, if you're that high up because of the, the relativity of your distance, you're actually... Even if you could fall instantly, you would land in a different spot than when you took off because of the amount that the Earth's rotating in the meantime. So the higher up you get, the more the relative distance changes uh, between. It's like if you jump up right now as high as you can jump, you'll land in the same spot. But if you jump up 100 feet, you'll land, you know, millimeters off of the same spot, even if you don't move your legs. And the higher up you get, the now, more Now you're make that like a, like a, I don't even remember how long his free fall was, but I know it was long. It was long. I'll look it up. For some reason, nine minutes has popped in my head, but I don't know if that's what it was. That seems excessive. It can't be that long, can it? But he was so high up. I mean, yeah. well, an interesting thing but it's pretty about awesome. uh, and that gravity was still acting on him that strongly, that high up. I mean, he was obviously. You think of like as soon as you leave Earth, you're immediately going to in outer space floating. It takes a long time to do that. The orbits around Earth are massive. Like you could almost put like the moon in between some of these orbits. Uh, how big they are, and they're still considered you know part of earth's gravity but to be like you're literally can see you know the edge of the world and you can just drop and it immediately grabs you and yeah gravity I mean, he, yeah, he literally He'll could see the curvature with his own two eyes yeah so and high. as soon as he jumped it still went you're going right down buddy you're not getting anywhere yeah i mean i still remember playing this day seeing him when he finally they gave him the okay he opened his door up yeah. and then when he jumped he looked so awkward because you know like they definitely had to, he had to jump a certain way to do it he was all yeah. propped up. He just kind of like fell out, but stayed completely rigid. Yeah, he was like a little he arrowhead. Like, just <laughs> and it was just falling. And then off he went. And, you know, for a long... I remember when they made the transition where you were just seeing his helmet footage. I, I think they had a camera on the bottom of the balloon also. Yeah, they had a couple of different angles because they knew it was going to be hard to see. And then uh, all of a sudden, the last, like... You couldn't exactly have an airplane filming it the whole time like (laughs) you usually could. The last like 30, I don't know, maybe 20 seconds, all of a sudden they showed him actually falling where you could see him from land. And you're like, imagine even just being a minute above that, how long that takes. Um, And something I do think is worth bringing up is um, Alan Eustace, who held the previous record that actually helped Felix achieve that. Uh, tell me about it. Uh, so Alan Eustace, he set the record in um, the – I don't even want to look it up, but I forget when it was. I think – That's all right. Yeah. It was he, – he was born in the 50s, so he was much younger, you know, mm-hmm. when he got done. So now when Felix was doing it, he was far too old to do it. But he, when Felix approached him and said, hey, you know, I want to break your record. Can you help me do that? And Alan was like, you know, I'm, I'm too old to do it now. It's been held for a long time. Imagine if you're just like, fuck you, figure it out yourself, yeah. bitch. But no, uh, no, he was like, yeah, yeah, let's let's work on this, figure out how we can do it. And obviously, they, you know, yeah. Red Bull is a big sponsor for it, which helped a lot with getting money and to do it. Yeah, I mean, they paid for the whole thing. And I even now, I still, it worked, the marketing worked, because I still go, Felix Baumgarter, Red Bull. Mm-hmm. Like, I, in my head, it's still like the Red Bull jump, yep. the Red Bull space jump. Um, but uh, so, uh, you know, Alan, he was the one that set, 
the initial record and there's three there's three records involved um the highest free fall the longest free fall by time and the top speed because believe it or not you don't reach um oh, it's, terminal velocity. It I, I was like it's not constant it's not constant you don't reach terminal velocity doing that compared to with our mass and doing it something like that so you don't actually reach it which obviously for those at home who don't know what terminal velocity is it's that Everything, no matter how much it weighs, will eventually max out at the same speed in a big enough free fall. Yeah. That's why in all like the action movies and stuff like that where people are falling apart from each other, you can't just go like this and fall faster. There is a rate in which you cannot fall any faster unless you have extra propulsion. Gravity is only pulling on you at the same rate no matter yeah. where you are, which is why you could drop a pebble and a watermelon at the same time and they will fall at the same speed without any air resistance to change it. It's weird, but it is, yeah, there's a maximum speed you can fall without anything else helping you. Yes. Um, but, uh, so Alan used to set those three records and then when Felix Baumgart did it, he actually only broke two of the three records. Really? What, what one didn't he I break? think it was the longest free fall because they made it a lot more precise. So, so he, he did floating around for he, as long. He, even though he was up higher, he completed it mm -hmm. faster. Yeah, he went, you know, nailed even it just as... Because, I mean, you could, like, essentially go, like, halfway there and just put, like, a squirrel suit out and just have all the wind resistance slow yeah. you down. You or you could just like, an pencil dive the whole way and you're going to go a lot faster. Right, but, I mean, you yeah. can just look at how much newer it was with, you know, different materials on his suit to go faster. But yeah. also, it would also be safer than before and... Yeah. The shape of his body. I mean, would you could probably beat a record for fastest right now if you just you just put yourself in a torpedo and you just launch yourself off a satellite. You get the <laughs> fastest one. You will not survive it, but you will, you will break fastest. that record for sure. Part of you will get the fastest. Yeah, your soul, because <laughs> the rest of you is no longer existent. You get spaghettified like know. Stephen Hawking on the way down. Very cool. Felix Baumgartner. Wonderful man. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I haven't thought about that in a while, but I do remember watching that. Certified bad boy. Hell yeah. So uh, let's uh, let's get into some of the heavy hitters here. Let's do it. So um, I'm going to bring one up. That not not a uh, lifelong daredevil, really only one stunt. But it was enough to mark the name in the history book. It only takes book. one. Second, I don't remember seeing Felix Baumgartner do any um, else, anything else. <laughs> like, yeah, he didn't this do is true. the longest wheelie. He didn't do the land speed record. I mean, all it takes is one. The glory can be everybody, found. But everybody gets one. Risk. Right, Spider Man. Everybody gets one. Right. The French Spider Man told me that. <laughs> everybody gets one. Alain Robert. Everybody gets ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody gets in. <laughs> Thanks, French Spider Man. <laughs> Apparently, apparently, everybody gets then he in. Goes, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when Spider Man uses his uh, webs in France, it doesn't go thwip, it goes ho ho. Dude, there's a. Uh, uh, I love it, of course. It's a family guy cutaway where it's like, uh, that's worse than a French guy using a jackhammer. And it's like, it's, oh, no, oh no, no, this is not a jackhammer. This is a Jacques hammer. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a classic, really good joke where you can see it coming one second earlier. Like I'm still gonna yeah. laugh. I still pull it I'm off still perfectly. Laugh. A Jacques hammer. 
That's a great name for a, a French porn star. <laughs> Jacques Hammer. And his lengthy baguette. <laughs> yeah, baby, give me oh, your rock a, hard uh, French bread. Like it's been out for three days. <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, so uh, yeah, so uh, uh, her name is Annie Edson Taylor. Uh, or more commonly. Oh, real quick, it's called Marteau. It'd be Jacques Marteau. <laughs> That's Jackhammer in French. Sorry. Uh, Annie, Annie Edson Annie Taylor, uh, more commonly referred mm-hmm. to as Queen of the Mist. This is Ooh. the lady that went over Niagara Falls in a barrel. Awesome. Let's not leave out how important marketing is to your Daredevil persona. I mean, the Lady of the Mist is so much cooler than Annie Taylor Joy or whatever the name is. <laughs> Queen's Gambit. Uh. She's the Queen of the Gambit and the Queen of the Mist. Annie Taylor Joy. Come on, baby, give me that fist. <laughs> Checkmate. Uh, but yeah, no, she. Uh, so she went over the falls in ninth. Well, sorry, I'm going. I'm getting too early. Uh, too fast. Uh, she was originally yeah, time. Um, a school teacher, and she met her husband That's while awesome. she was teaching at the school. Um, then he was five. She was the teacher. Well, that makes this next bit extra sad. If he was five, then because uh, her husband actually died fighting for the Union in the Civil War. <laughs> oh my god! So he was actually sixty, and she was twenty. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, so. After after her husband died, she didn't really have, you know, teaching is not a great profession for making money. So she struggled and she bounced around a lot. They used to make a lot of money back then? Oh, times have <laughs> changed. And then uh, eventually, you know, she land, She was in Michigan. Not Michigan. She was in New York. Sorry. And uh, it was 1901. She was 63 years old. And she had been hearing about all these, they called them stunters. Uh, trying Stunters. to make it over Niagara Falls, and they, either they you know would die or they backed out or something would happen, and so she and she thought, what a bunch of pussies. She, basically, she thought, <laughs> you know what? If I can do that and survive, the fame will bring me enough money where I can live with the rest of my life without worrying about it. So it was basically yeah. like she was like, I need money. I'm going off the falls. If I don't make it, at least yeah. I'm Desperation dead. Desperation is a great motivator. And uh, she, you know, it, she went over the falls in a pickle barrel. and uh, But it turns out she didn't actually just like go and buy an old pickle barrel and go in it. She made it herself to fit her Even own body. Better. So it was five foot three was the barrel. So she was, you know, obviously she wasn't standing straight up in there, but she was not a big woman to fit into that barrel. Mm-hmm. Um, it was padded I should hope with not. cushions inside. And they, act, they had... Um, a 200 pound anvil in the bottom to keep it so it didn't roll and it stayed pop up. Ooh, so it's it's her weight plus the anvil's weight. Yes. And she was actually had a uh, leather harness system inside. So she was nice. she wasn't like if she picked up her arms and legs, she wasn't touching the barrel. But yeah. you know, there wasn't much room in there anyway, so any hit she would still move and then she hit the cushions. Um, that's the way I do it. It's like a football helmet where it's kind of like making a cage around your head, but it, it allows movement because what's hurting you isn't the impact. It's how you rattle around inside it, much like how your brain rattles yes. around inside your head. So that, that makes a lot more sense because you actually just put yourself in a pickle barrel, a wooden barrel, 
with your knees and your spine hanging over it. It doesn't matter how good the fall is, you're gonna be smacked yeah, around be quite rough. a bit. So um, and she actually uh, the barrel went over once without her first. She put her cat mm -hmm. in the barrel, and That's the cat survived. Nice. Well, they do have nine lives. I think she was. <laughs> hopefully, she was betting. There, on that. there is actually a picture of them in a rowboat at the bottom of the falls, like getting to shore. And she's holding the cat, and they're like towing the barrel. That's amazing. So it was the first cat and the first yeah. person to go over the falls and not die. I like the idea of uh, after the, the stunt where the cat's smoking a cigarette and watching her go over, being like, "You bitch!" <laughs> bitch. I hope I hope you don't even make it your pickle barrel. Did they get Did they get a leather harness for the cat too? I hope. I mean, I think the cats are so liquidy that you could probably put, them put in that there in and a fine. steel a steel box. It'll just figure it out. I'll figure it out because it'll always land on its feet, even if it's upside down in the waterfall. <laughs> it knows where, it knows somehow. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, so she was able to achieve what she wanted. She wasn't trying to be the first woman over the falls, but she was. She was just trying to. Am I wrong? Isn't she the first person yeah, sorry, over the yeah. falls? She's first person to survive. That's even better. Because so often records are like, oh, the, the first woman to do it. The woman did it later. But I think she was the first human first, being to do it. And obviously a ton of other people have tried. Where It, it wasn't illegal when she did it. But it didn't take long yeah. after for it to become illegal to go over the falls. I like that she did it and she survived. But people did it before her and died. They're like, what's the big deal? Yeah. <laughs> like let, let them do it. if they want to die let them well do i feel it. like uh, back then you know news sources weren't easy to spread it's 1901 right and you know it's mostly telegraph and newspapers yeah people aren't fine so they're not reporting on every person but someone went over and survives and it's a woman mm -hmm. it's gonna story. be a big thing she did press tours i mean her, she achieved her goal she made money by doing it because she was just her fame took care of everything she needed from then on out and uh That's she awesome. lived on another i think 10 years after that where she wow. lived. yeah and, and let's not forget she wasn't 25 she was 63 an older and she actually lied about her age <laughs> when she was doing it she told you know people like are you sure she goes oh, yeah I, like how old are you she goes i'm 40 that's great. So she lied and i'm about sure her that age. 40 in 1901 looked like 80 now yeah, I mean, I'm sure it was rough. Um, another interesting little fact about it was she wanted to, she knew she was like, yeah, it's going to be like a press tour. It's going to be great. I'll bring the barrel with me. Well, bring the her cat. manager, when she fell. Oh, that I hate that word, manager. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, why has it got to be manager? Dayager. <laughs> <laughs> That's more like it. Um. So, you know, he was in the boat. They brought it out. Actually, sorry. The one injury she got was a cut to the forehead. And uh, it's believed wow. that... And it... she licked the blood and she drank it. She lives off of her own dominance. blood. That's what drinks her youth. <laughs> Sustained off of her own vitals. Um, but it, it's uh, commonly thought that she didn't actually get the cut from the fall. It was when they brought her out because uh, she was not unconscious when she did hit water. So when they mm. brought her out of the barrel, she was unconscious, and your limb hit your head on that specially designed barrel. They oh, think that's gotcha. where the hit yeah. the... And she did land on the USA side, so it was out, not oot. This is true. But uh, <laughs> so you know, they brought her to shore. They were advised, you know, looking over, make sure she's all fine. Her manager grabs the barrel and fucking splits. Wow. To the point where she actually, a couple years later, hired 
private investigators to find the barrel and they couldn't find it. What a garbage person. He's like, I got to get my, my money yeah. off this barrel. Another interesting Why thing. Why don't you take the 10% and you're already hitched your wagon to this lady? And this is another interesting thing about the story of, about this manager. <laughs> I mean, Excuse after me. I heard this, I didn't blame him as much for taking it. But still, like, don't mm -hmm. fucking do that. Um, he knew going into it being her manager that if she died, he would have been tried for manslaughter. For not stopping That's her. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, I guess that... He's like, I'm going to get mine out of this. Yeah. But she survived. So then he was just like, oh, I, 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 managed I her. probably I'm the manager. I help with that. Take me on the tour. Give me money. <laughs> take the barrel and he probably also was like, I'm taking the barrel. The same plan happens whether she's dead or not. And then he just did the regular plan. And he goes, oh, I forgot about the part where she might be mad because she's alive still. <laughs> no one stopped him. Uh, I mean, all, that old fashioned stuff is so crazy. Not only the, the lawsuits, but like the liability and all that stuff like That'll never happen again. No, absolutely not. The Felix Baumgartner thing, even though he could have easily died, they had to cover every base to make sure that like it's the least possible chance of him dying at, at all. Or they wouldn't even. I mean, they imagine how the, the policy Red Bull took out on his life and the stunt itself. They probably took out a bigger policy on the stunt going well than his life for the. Oh yeah, I bet. I bet if he did die, and they got to cash out on that life insurance policy, it would have bankrupt Red Bull in order. To in order for them to be allowed to do that. Yeah, I mean, it's a wild stunt. But Red Bull did make their name on doing stunts and shit like that. They have the air race, they have the diving, they have, like, X Games. Like, they really put their whole stock. I mean, Daredevil, Darebull. Red Bull is, like, a big benefactor to Daredevils for the past 30 years or so, like, on actually paying it out. Because, like you said, a lot of these people, they aren't independently wealthy. If you were, then, you know, you probably don't have this hot streak in you. And how rich kids uh, play Daredevil is they just do a bunch of fentanyl. They don't dive off a plane. So when you are doing these crazy stunts, you need someone to pay for it because you can't really build your own spacesuit and plan the whole stunt yourself. Uh, you need somebody to pay for it. Yeah. And whether it's your manager at Niagara Falls or it's uh, Red Bull paying for your space dive, someone's got to pay. And actually, speaking of Red Bull, I do want to bring up one more person before you get to your heavy hitter. Sure. Um. And that uh, I, I'm also bringing because, you know, people around our age, I think, will know this person not immediately off, the, off the name. But uh, once I say what group he was with and he unfortunately died in 2015 during the stunt, uh, his name is. Can I guess before yes. you do it? Backstreet Boys. No. Oh, shit. All right. <laughs> sorry. Go ahead. Um, his name is Eric Rahner. He was with the original Nitro Circus. Oh, I do know the Nitro Circus. When they the first couple seasons of the show, he was one of the main people on it. He was a skier and a base jumper, so he's not doing jumps out of what a combination. I mean, he did plenty of airplane stuff, but I'm talking he would jump off skyscrapers where it was like, is there enough fall free fall for that parachute to slow you down enough so you can to land safely? Yeah. That's also very illegal, obviously. Yes, because it's so dangerous to do. He. Uh, I remember there were times where he would um, jump off, not with a backpack parachute, just holding it with like the strings like this and holding it like this. And then oh he would just God. go like this and the parachute would open up. And you just hold, and he on, hold to on to it. He Imagine that not only just the, the arm strength to hold on the whole time, the initial jerk. It's like catching a car with a... Like, yeah, you know, like a I mean, tug of war rope. Like you gotta have some strength. Some other things he's. I mean, he's a great skier too, but obviously skiing doesn't compare to base jumping. 
Um, uh, you can many people die skiing every year, but I think more people probably die I, per jump with base jumping than per run. With another thing that he liked to do every once in a while: jump out of a plane, no parachute, and someone would throw the parachute out next. Then it's a matter of slowing yourself down enough that it comes to you, and then you put it on, and then you pull. Oh it. my god! Yeah, no, fuck that, dude. His friends are fucked too. <laughs> so fucked up. And then uh, I, I mean. Um, I don't want to jump ahead. I don't know how we passed away, but I hope it's not one of those parachute throwing stunts. If I was, it, friend, it was not like, that. It was myself. a little more tragic. Than oh, that. thank God. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll, it was more tragic than that. I'll say one more oh, stunt good. that he did that I personally I think is the most impressive. Um, and then I'll yeah. talk to no, his no, death. You don't have to rush. Yeah, is uh, he used to you know see people on you know Swiss Alps or even just you know in the Rocky Mountains, there are peaks that you cannot get to. By foot yeah you have to do a helicopter right? yes so he did a lot of helicopter skiing or you know you take a helicopter you ride all day in a helicopter scope out the path you're gonna do and you watch yeah. all day go back come back the next day and they you jump out of a helicopter or if it's a big enough top of the mountain you they can sort of land and you can get off and you just mm-hmm. go down you're skiing something that's never been skied before well, he had this great idea to combine his two passions. They helicoptered him up to the top of the mountain, and he said, that right there, that's the one we looked at yesterday. I want to go down that ridge. Yeah. It turned out what it is, is it was the very first helicopter up, ski down to a base jump. Oh, what a maniac. So he only skied like maybe a quarter mile half yeah i'd say probably a quarter mile less than a quarter mile before it was to get to his next base jump oh my god and there at times he was i mean he he has you you scope it out as much as you want you don't actually know is that snow gonna be firm if i land on it is it gonna avalanche you just have to go for it at times you know it's he's like going down like a ravine almost between these like two peaks at times it's Mm -hmm. only like 10 15 feet wide where there's snow Jeez. and then wow. he goes off you get suffocated before you even get there yeah and he goes and he skis the you know, couple hundred feet maybe a thousand fifteen hundred feet goes off the edge free falls for a while pulls the chute floats back down oh my god was the ski still on or they broke away when no he jump? kept the skis on the whole time oh god damn i guess if you have to get back after the do- oh wow the skis too jesus I guess probably he's very comfortable with wearing skis to him being a skier and all, but I would be like, if I'm going to do this at all, get all the extra oh, naturality. Stuff. I'm going like to do it nude. I'm going to do it in the Can nude. Big old, skinny. well, not big, but flopping willy. A, bo- a birthday suit dive. <laughs> Don't worry, because usually on Zoom, we wouldn't be able to see that, but because of the new recording, <laughs> we saw all that. <laughs> I didn't talk over your miming. Uh, I hope. Uh, yeah, Eric wanted Definitely, Bad definitely ass, a daredevil, man. and unfortunately, he did so um, die yeah, so doing great. a stunt in 2015. Uh, oh, it was no. on TV. Oh, that's awesome. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm sure by that time they had enough of a delay where they cut before it actually anyone saw it. Yeah, but the people who are witnessing it live, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, well, it was um the, yeah. to it was uh, to start up a golf tournament. He, oh my god, such a lame He reason. was skydiving oh, in then he uh when he was parachuting he was going too fast and he hit a tree. 
Oh, hit a tree, yep. huh? So, uh, you know, kind of kind of like uh, the crocodile hunter. Smacked his head. He didn't die because he didn't have a parachute in his hand. Crocodile hunter didn't die by an alligator. It was something that you weren't expecting. Or a crocodile. <laughs> <laughs> the crocodile didn't die by an alligator. I mean, hey, I'm not lying. It would have been its own irony. You know, the tiger hunter killed by a lion. What the fuck? <laughs> Yeah, I know a stingray got him, which we talked about yes. on the spot, I'm sure. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, he got he got whacked. It must have been head injury, right? It, he, I mean, uh, I'm not sure. I didn't out. look too deep into it, but everything. I feel I like if he was bleeding out, they would have gone to him in time. So too he probably died. I'm sure it was back. impact. Yeah, yeah, it's brutal. Well, he died doing what he loved, yep. as many people in this story as do. All right, so uh, I believe you have a heavy hitter. Then I have one more after that. Absolutely, and then we're going to go into our star of the show here as we get into our last. Oh no, as I'm saying, like after podcast. yours, mine is the the star of the show. Okay, so yeah, I'll, then I have two, then the star of okay. the show, and then we're going to go into the rest of the podcast, which brings us to our final commercial break on the pod. We'll see you guys at the end of this. You're probably going to see either Aaron or Andrew walk downstairs. You're welcome. It's very entertaining. Enjoy it. You're going to love it. Rock and roll is very simple. Representative of Deep Framingham. Aaron Armitage brings upon himself all sorts of crazy ghouls and goblins and especially salt and vinegar chips to bring value to this household of the bear cabin. Aaron Armitage, coming in hot. What a guy. Those glasses. One, two, three, four. And on the first beat and the third beat, play the bass drum. One, two, three. One, two, three. Yeah, yeah. Welcome back to whatever this is going to be called by the end of it. I'm going to find out we'll later. Find out. Dom already has the name. I will find out at one point. Um, to the the channel of the basement, which we are all part of, including uh, Dom. And we're getting back to our daredevils. We only have a couple more to go here uh, before we wrap this thing up. But I had to bring up a daredevil daredevils i would say this is our first group project of the pod here which is and I, i'm surprised you haven't heard of this group but i guess it's very specific but it's a family of people be, that were came to know came to be known the as traveling wilbur I, I wouldn't say they exactly they didn't name themselves that though which i didn't learn until today i thought they named themselves that but they weren't they were named that by a newspaper and they didn't like it uh, but their name, for all of time, is known as the Flying Walendas. And they are a family trapeze act, which all the family is part of it. It brings up that uh, that circus thing as before, which is like living and traveling with the circus and all those old-fashioned times of that's the best way to make a buck. The family started performing in the early 1900s, and World War One affected them. That's how long ago this family wow. has been doing their act. And... They would travel from town to town doing their act. It's all high wire stuff. So it was trapeze and it was high wire acts and just, you know, balancing beams and on a wire and walking across it. And it's still impressive now, but especially at the time where you, most people, if they were lucky, they might see it once in their life. We don't have TV. We don't have the internet. You can't just watch people walk on a high wire whenever you want. And at the time it was mind blowing. And this is what people did. And they lived in Europe. And when World War One happened, 
it really fucked up their business because people aren't really cool with random strangers showing up in town and spending money on high wire acts when there's the world at war, Call of Duty. Five. The Great War. And <laughs> the Great War. And they actually ended up because of their, you know, follies during World War One, they found a benefactor that helped them travel to America after the first war, the first Great War, in order to try to perform their acts. Oh, America so they're not originally so from America. They're not. They're from Europe. Oh, do you know which country? They didn't even speak English when they traveled to America. Not one person in the family spoke English. Wow. Oh, so, so that's really bad. Have... I was like, I was like, yeah, no, America, they're not going to want to spend money on like theater stuff. No, Europe definitely wasn't spending money on it because it's like, oh, hey, my house is gone. It's happening right <laughs> here. Yeah, like <laughs> the town they were going to is now a piece of rubble. So like they have to, yeah. So they left, went to America in the, uh, I think the late 20s, early 30s when they first traveled there. And they started uh, performing their act. They had a manager or a womanager or whatever you have. And uh, they were making money just going place to place. In fact, in Europe, their grandfather of the family at the time, he his everyone had their specific talent, and his was handstands. And what he would do is he'd work in a coal mine, and at night he would go to bars and he'd do handstands on tables, and people would give him like pennies to be like, "Oh, that's crazy! Look at you!" And he would just take that money home and just pay for family stuff. Like it was, that was his side gig was being like a a gymnast kind yeah. of thing. So they developed their whole trapeze act in America, and it wasn't until uh, World War Two hit, which if you can imagine this also was rough on their uh income. can i do a quick little sidebar <laughs> of course a sidebar you know, uh, i don't want to be talking for five minutes straight anyway you know that uh i wish i knew her name she's that british lady that does the funny videos where she's interviewing people and she asks really dumb questions oh yeah i know her last name's tunt <laughs> that's all i know <laughs> i saw oh Phil, philomena, philomena, philomena tunt. tunt i saw one the yeah. other day where she was talking to a historian she was like well now so now world war one don't you think that bothered people that they numbered it? <laughs> and he was like, oh, well, you know, they didn't. He like took it totally seriously. He's like, yeah, they didn't name it that until after, during World War II that they turned it into World War One because it was the Great War. She's like, oh, yeah, because war, you know, it's so great. It's great. <laughs> Dude, my favorite one is when she's talking to the guy about um, the nuclear arms race. And she's like, I'm so glad that now there's no more nuclear weapons. And he's like, no, there is. She's like, what? <laughs> No, there still is. And she starts crying. <laughs> so funny. Yeah, I saw she is, she's like the Borat of her it's generation. So good. I saw her talking to the story and she's like, uh, so back you know, in the Middle Ages, if you were to have sex with someone who had the Black Plague and you didn't use a condom, would you get it? <laughs> yeah. She was like, uh, I mean, Yes, yeah. I mean, you would definitely get it. Like, oh, and, and there really wasn't anything you could do. You know, like, you couldn't like call them and be like, "Hey, you guys." So like, uh, no, you'd probably be dead before you could like, you know, really have a problem with that. Goes, oh, oh. But if you did use a condom, then it just ends. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't matter. Oh my god. So, anyways, the flying Hollanders were in America. And they get found by one of the Ringling Brothers before they were called the Ringling Brothers. And I guess they were the inventors of the Three Ring Circus, which later on in our lifetime, uh, it had already happened, which Barnum and Bailey and the Ringling Brothers 
merged together yep. to make Ringley Brothers Barley and Bainham. Yep. Yes, exactly what you said. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it is. And so they became part of that act, and that's when they came up with the idea of their their magnum opus, which was the seven person pyramid trapeze. So there would be I, I don't know how the math works out. We'll, we'll show a, a, at least a picture, if not a clip from the, the act they did, but it was the world famous act where they would have people on the bottom and then people on their shoulders. And then on top of it all their was heads, a woman on shoulders, a chair. Knees and toes. Knees and toes. Yeah. Their, their neck, their back and, and everything Eyes else. Eyes and mouth and, and teeth so and nose. They were on, they were on a high wire, <laughs> but it was stacked up. So the person on top was being supported by multiple people who were all on shoulders and then on a high wire. And they all had the big poles to keep your balance. And I, I heard there were 70 pounds, the poles, to be able to like measure like how much you can yeah. keep your balance. But I mean, just having your to arms hold holding up like that 70 the whole time pounds. and just walking a, a little bit, not only are you going to fall down, but everyone else could fall too. And that could be the end of it. So they developed this act where they would have the people go, you know, three or four in a row. They get on their shoulders and they had these like supports, they had these like rod supports where you'd to keep you all stable. And then they'd stand on top of each other. And on the very top, there'd be the lightest woman who'd go on a chair with her own rod. And then at the end of it, she would stand on top of the chair. So you're seven people high, all being supported by one metal wire that's smaller than the middle of your foot. I mean, it's just very yeah. impressive to see, especially at the time. It's fucking And uh, they famously never used a net. That's true. You know that already? Yes. Sorry, I don't know if you were going to say okay, that. So That's the one that. thing I know about them. I, I was going to say that too. Yeah, yeah. They, they did not use a net because not only did it uh, did a lot of the venues that they used to perform in not even provide a net, so it wasn't like they had an option. It was that they thought that it was more thrilling for the crowd and it added to the danger and to the thrill of it, uh, of the whole trick, which it did for many years. They performed the trip and obviously... It wasn't all the same family members. They would move in and out. They would also take in other uh, gymnasts from other countries. Like it was a it was a moving show, but the majority of all the show was all the family members, including the mother, the daughter, the sister, the the uncle. Everyone's part of it, and that was their big showstopper, which is the seven person high wire act. They all get on each other's shoulders and this crazy trick, and they did it for years and years. And it wasn't until the nineteen sixty two, I believe, where they did it. And they the brought in 1962. Uh, the 1962 in the U.S. of A. in Detroit, if we're keeping the French term, but also known as Detroit, Michigan. They did Beautiful their place. seven-person act, and they added in um, one of the substitutes to uh, to do the gig, who was also a trapeze artist, but he had only done the trick three times in person live, and the rest of the family had done it, you know, dozens and dozens of times, and. They all went up there, did the trapeze act, and by the end of the seven-person rig, they just needed to get across the rest of the wire, and they were going to have everyone come off. And he was holding his hands too low to his lap to have the, the pole up, and he said he couldn't hold it anymore. He started yelling back to them that he was warning them that he was losing his grip and losing his balance. And right after that happened, this is during the circus, uh, the whole seven of them went tumbling with no net to the ground. All seven went crashing down. Two of them died on impact. One of them was put in a wheelchair for the rest of his life. And the girl who was on top of the chair was caught by her uncle and her father. 
that were still, they caught the wire on their way down, and they also caught her arms. So she was being suspended by just them holding her arms and their own body weight, and they held it for minutes on end saying, grab a net, grab a net. Again, like I said, there was no net. They didn't have one. After multiple minutes with people's bodies on the ground that they don't know if they're alive or dead, they pulled over a mat, like a gymnast mat, and they just had to drop her. They said, let go. And she wouldn't let go because she was so scared. They're like, if you don't let go, we're all going to fall. It's going to be fucking awful. So they let her go. She landed. She only had bruises, luckily. But um, unfortunately for the other folks, including the guy who fucked the trick up, died that day. Fucking dead. See you later. It really shows you the risk, as we've said tonight. It's like it's high risk, high reward with these kind of things. You no, know, it does. And I'm, I'm sure it could have been because they were probably on the bottom for her father and her uncle to have caught the cable but it also shows their experience right or in the back of your head when you're doing that you know like oh well if i do fall i'm gonna try to catch this right that's a but good they've point. been doing yeah, it so long because I mean, they've tried it, it was, they tried it like over like five feet ten feet like you work your way up but so they've probably caught themselves multiple mm-hmm. times but nothing prepares you in that moment like just like the reptilian brain training like everyone else would just fall and they'd be yeah. dead all of them i mean probably sad for the guy who got paralyzed that he probably didn't die because of his training, but he got paralyzed because he knew how to land the right way, which is also the wrong way to not yeah. die. I, I don't know. That or in fact, po- even worse possibility was he survived because he didn't hit the ground. He hit a couple bodies. That, I, that also <laughs> be the case. I don't know, but I that was an insane and tragic story. But the silver lining is the flying Willendas still perform today in the silver lining they, playbook. Exactly, and they've they've kept going. Not only have they they keep going past the '60s in the in 1998, they performed the exact same trick in Detroit in the same spot, and they did it successfully just to really face their demons. And I watched an interview for one of the guys in the group, and he's like, "Obviously, it's terrifying. It's dangerous. We all know that going into it. But if someone you know dies in a car accident, it's tragic, but you still got to drive." Like that's especially their mentality yeah. is like it, we all know it's dangerous, but it doesn't mean you can never do it again. And not only are they famous for that, and the fact that they're still performing today. If you ever heard the documentary Man on Wire, it is one of the sons of those Willendas oh, that's really? now uh, an adult man. He he does multiple wire stunts by himself, including one where he crosses the Grand Canyon on a wire, and it takes a long fucking time. It takes like an hour. <laughs> And it's not the whole entire canyon. It's like the shortest yeah, point. Still, that's um, far. But it's still amazing. And multiple parts of it, uh, the wind picks up so much that he has to stand still. And he basically kneels on his heels and holds the pole for like five minutes at a time. And he has a microphone on too. And the whole thing is, oh, Jesus, please, Jesus, my <laughs> Jesus. Lord, help this cable to calm down. Command it in your name, Jesus, with the authority of God. Praise you. Praise you, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. That's my king. Praise you. Praise you, Jesus. It went fine. Okay. You don't have to tell me how long I'm on the wire. <laughs> it's a great clip. The guy's obviously a certified badass, but it's so funny yeah. hearing him be like, Jesus, my Lord. <laughs> Jesus, my Lord. So clearly, uh, they don't sound European terrifying. anymore. They do not. They sound like they're from Florida, which is where the family's compound has been since 1945. Naturally. Keep Florida weird. But anyway, I thought that was an 
that was amazing, and uh, they definitely count as daredevils on the list, and the whole family of them, uh, and they're still doing it, which is the mark of a daredevil or from any extreme sport uh, professional. You, you fall down, you get back up. You break your face in half, you get back up. You can't give up because you, you can't stop until you die or you get too old to get on the wire, whether that's a ski slope or a dirt bike or whatever it is. Uh, to quote one of the best punk fans of all time, Rancid, if I fall back mm-hmm. down, you're going to pick me back up again. If I fall back down, Whoa. you're going to be my friend. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Perfect. Absolutely. Which brings us to our, uh, the I, th- I think was, you're gonna, you have one more to say, but this is the penultimate of all Daredevils. I mean, I would have actually named the whole episode about him just because of the, the synonymous, what is their word? I don't know. He's synonymous with that, Daredevil. That's I wanted to say syn- synonymity, but it, Ane- I don't know if and it's an enemy. This person is synonymous with the word daredevil because when people hear the word daredevil, they, they immediately picture him. And that is, of course, Matt Murdock, the lawyer from Hell's Kitchen, Brooklyn. Uh, when he was a child, he was part of a poison spill which made him blind, but it gave him extra senses. And he became the Marvel superhero Daredevil. And he fights crime when he's blind. I mean, it's amazing. Obviously portrayed as Ben Affleck in the movie Daredevil. Naturally. And also the other guy in the Netflix show. Matt Murdock, the true daredevil, a trapeze artist in his own right, but he's blind. No, of course I'm not talking about him. I'm talking about someone else. Who am I talking about, Tom? Um, I believe you're talking Hot about... Hot Rod's dad's employer. Uh, yes, this man, uh, as as wonderful as a daredevil he was... Mm-hmm. Um, he dared to be... The evil. father of Rod, whose last name I don't remember, but he is a Hot Rod. That. His father used to Certainly. test the jumps for this daredevil he did not die choking on pie Mm-mm. he died testing a jump for evil knievel evil knievel the daredevil himself the physical embodiment of stunts of glory and of risk it's evil knievel himself i mean he is the prolific stuntman and no one felix Baumgartner or um abby Kadabi. I know Anna Taylor Joy, the one who went over the, uh, the falls, all of them pale in comparison to Evil Knievel. Because, like we know from the whole story we're telling today, it's not just the stunts, it's the marketing, it's the spectacle. And Knievel knew how to do that very well, more than anybody else, and before and since, for sure. He was basically what FDR was to the radio for presidency, for how he could get his words out there. That was Evil Knievel yeah. for televised daredeviling. Mm-hmm. Daredevilishness. Make your big So I thought open. we'd run through a couple of his um, his more famous stunts because, I mean, most of these ones we have on the list, it's just their one big stunt they had. The Walendas, it's the trapeze, it's the Niagara Falls, it's the speed record. But Knievel, of course, his bread and butter was jumping on a motorbike, no matter how you Over do it. things. Over things. I'm just going to run through a couple of them, and you can stop me whenever whenever you feel like that. I have his top five here. In 1965, the box of rattlesnakes. He was still part of the Joey Chitwood thrill show, and he was still a young man. But what he decided to get on is his 30, 350cc Honda dirt bike. And he jumped over a 20-foot-long box of rattlesnakes. He hit the back wheel on the box. 
but he didn't land in the snake box, so he did survive it. And that's the thing about Knievel. He crashed a lot. It's, yeah. You, you test the jump out, but when it comes down to the nitty gritty, you never know what's going to happen. But the big thing was later he, on, he went on to jump survived. two mountain lions as well. He's he did crash a lot, just like Johnny Blaze. And only thing is, Johnny Blaze. as far as we know, Edith Knievel didn't sell his soul to the devil. Well, as far as we know, but it very well could have been. He was, of, of course, he used to be called <laughs> Goody Canoody before he went to hell. <laughs> And he literally <laughs> had to change his name. Oh, man. Before that happened. Uh, the next one, two pickup trucks. This is a year later. He jumped 45 feet on that Honda dirt bike over two pickup trucks. Again, it's one thing to clear it. It's another thing to survive it. I mean, your body can land, and I guess you made the jump, but... This guy was doing it in front of crowds, whipping people into a frenzy. He uh, he also sported, in later years, his signature red, white, and blue jumpsuit with his star-spangled banner helmet. I mean, this guy was the the, the spirit of America, the daring, the risk. Everything down uh, to everything craziness. down to the boots and gloves. The boots All and red, gloves, white, blue, the and dirt stars. bikes. You better fucking believe it. Yeah, buddy. Can evil for you. As he got more famous, he got a bigger draw, including his Caesar's Palace jump, where he jumped over the fountain at Caesar's Palace, which was a 141-foot jump. He keeps increasing the jumps. Yes. and the I, I, I do believe that was, uh, I mean, you know, jumping over snakes, jumping over trucks. Sure. The fountain, I, th- I think, was one of his first, like, really well-known, like, look what this crazy motherfucker just did. Yeah, this is no longer a circus back lot, you know, woods job. This is a Las Vegas event. Yeah, this is, you know, you, you, it's, you're restricting the amount of people that can get into your casino because you have to block off things so you can jump over your fountain. But what's everyone yeah. going to do after he jumps Publicity. over? They're going to go celebrate for him in your casino. In the casino. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And also... All that publicity on TV. Oh, where, where was that fountain? Oh, that looks great. I want to go down there and see the fountain that he jumped over at Caesar's Palace. Yes, and don't forget, he was not jumping over the fountain of you. So if he crashed, he was going to die. Yeah, it, it was the fountain of uh, Dare. Gorilla's song. It's um, Dare. Then, of course, we have um, 10 buses that he jumped. And that was over in... Old London Town, or Wembley Stadium, the most famous soccer stadium, arguably, in the world. And he jumped 10 buses, which has become his, like, signature move. That, that became, like, his go-to stunt was jumping buses. Because the pickup trucks, eh, I can do that. Rattlesnakes, no big deal. Fountain, fine. But buses, I mean, that's, that's a big, long uh, vehicle there. And you have to jump it long ways. All the way yeah, through. Yeah, because doing it with ways, you know, there's plenty, like, uh, Little Ford F four fifty dump truck. The body is not that much wider than a school bus. So it's not that impressive. Yeah. It's gotta be long. Yeah, you gotta go for the light. You don't go, oh look at that. It's as wide as a school bus. People don't say that often. No. So <laughs> they could. They don't, it's not that impressive. <laughs> oh that thing they could, that's they as know, long right? as a school bus. I hear people say that two, three times a day, tops. <laughs> It's such a common phrase. I like phrase. the idea of that, though. Be like, he jumped the width of a train. <laughs> 150 cars. Holy shit. All the same width. 
With. <laughs> yeah, the with. <laughs> yeah, but he still jumped a train. You gotta admit that. Just this is the easy way. He took the easy uh, way. Oh, dude, that's like uh, uh And of, of course Danny uh, Wade yeah. rode a skateboard and jumped over the Great Wall of China. He didn't do it the long way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He'd still be going. <laughs> Uh, hey, he did it, and he'd be turning a lot too. It's it very windy. He broke wow. he broke his broke ankle on ankle. test run. They were like, "What the fuck? We just built ramps up to the Great Wall of China." And he was like, "I'm still gonna do it." Yeah, I'm just gonna be hurting right. the whole time. All right, continue the joke. The, the last one Ten before buses. the final countdown, of of course, is fourteen buses. And they were Greyhound buses, and that was Those are wider. Kings Island Theme Park in Ohio. It was the longest successful jump of his career, and he sustained no injuries, which of course brings us to the jump that he did sustain injuries. And I believe that was Snake River. The Snake River jump. Um, that was... Uh, one of the many jumps where he ate it hard, and it, which is almost as exciting. It's not like to say you watch NASCAR to watch the crashes, but most people don't watch it that way. But Knievel's jumps, you're watching him to complete it as much as you're watching him to eat it. And he had multiple jumps in his lifetime where he survived, but he broke his bones multiple times and famously broke almost every bone in his body. I don't know if that's more of a marketing ploy, but I'm sure he broke so many that uh, he probably couldn't be insured. Felix Baumgartner was easier to insure than Evil Knievel <laughs> for the amount of bones. Yeah, yeah but, you know, but Evil Knievel, I mean, he was his motto. Is he go, and, and it actually, it, it, his motto inspired a very famous song. And his motto was mm-hmm. just take it to the limit one more time. One more time, <laughs> exactly. And excuse me. And of course, for the folks at home, I will I will show you the the, uh, the famous uh, Grand Canyon jump. That uh, again, much like the flying Willendas, he jumps the Grand Canyon at not the highest point, but he does jump it, and uh, he does. No, that, land that one's the jump, based on whip. And then he eats it hard after he lands it. <laughs> I'll show you guys the flip because he lands it off the ramp, but then when the slowing down part happens, he goes after over T kill the whole way through. So you, you gotta you gotta love him. <laughs> he he takes it to the limit. He floors it because if you don't floor it, you can't make it, and that's the Knievel way. In the Knievel way, you know what, Joe? I I think uh, I think we should do a toast to Evil Knievel. I think so as well. Four. Let's go get some drums. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. This is rock and roll. Let's play double time for the hi hat. One, two, three, four. Play a little faster. Double bass. Here we are talking about daredevils. We just talked about the quintessential daredevil, evil could be evil. And uh, now we are going to give a toast to Mr. Evil himself. The evilest of can evil. The evilest. Whew. Whew. 
Goes out to you, Evil. Uh, you know, I, I'm not positive, but I'm pretty sure that he changed his name. I don't think he was born evil. No, everyone's born good. I'm a big nurture versus nature guy. Everyone's born good. Tabula rasa, as they call it in Latin. And you become evil. Maureen Ponderosa means you become more evil? Bill Ponderosa, <laughs> put it in the milk and it makes you evil. <laughs> Yeah, exactly right. So, yeah, obviously, shouts out to him and his son, Robbie, who followed in his footsteps, which I'm sure his mother was thrilled about. Um, uh, It's not like a Ziggy Marley thing. It's like a you're going to kill yourself. A Damien Marley thing. (laughs) (laughs) Count it. That's going to the end of the box. Well, uh, Joe, do you have an uh, honorable mention that you want to throw in? Someone who's been talked about before on the podcast? I do have uh, two honorable mentions, actually. I'm glad you brought that up. I have up. one also. Uh, number one, um, it's a person that I thought of growing up, which is from the Dare, the Dare to Evil, Dare to Be Evil, which is uh, Travis Pastrana, which is the first guy to do a double backflip on a dirt bike. I remember watching the clip of that on ESPN as a kid and being like, that's fucking crazy. And obviously, my friend Andrew was big into dirt biking, and he was a big hero for him uh, to risk that. Life and limb that way. Big X Games guy, Travis Pastrana. Yeah. Uh, speaking, actually, of uh, live performances, I remember watching Travis Travis Pastrana. I want to say maybe 2011, 2012, somewhere around there. Uh, sure. New Year's Eve live in uh, San Francisco. New Year's Rockin' Eve with Dick Clark? No, this was in California. And I, I believe it was San Francisco, and uh, he, on a snowmobile, but with no snow around, he just used a snowmobile to do it, um, oh, no. went down a, a ramp, you know, down an off ramp, and he jumped over a harbor and landed on the other side, and they timed Holy it, crap. so he jumped at midnight. That is just, that's, that's a true professional. That's a daredevil right there. Yeah. The timing, the whole thing. Also, Travis Pastrana, uh, founder of Nitro Circus that Eric Rahner was a part of also. You better fucking believe it. His, he has NOS in his veins. Uh, actually, I think he has Rockstar in his veins. That's his sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> That's the sponsor. Rockstar. Well, that one died out. The great uh, the energy drink wars have subsided, and only the yeah. strong survive. Only Red Bull, NOS, and Monster made it. Yeah. And then Bang, the new one. Oh, Bang, Bang. Um, no, baby. Knock a lot of sugar. Bang, bang. But I, I have tried, especially when I was a kid, when I couldn't drink alcohol, I had to try all the energy drinks I could. And um, I tried, tried most of them. And tried amp. I was a big and fan. And I, I really, I really, I did try most of them. I tried Venom. I tried oh, uh, yeah. Full Venom. Throttle. I got heart palpitations out of Venom. Full Throttle. Uh, full Throttle yeah, was pretty exactly. good. Rockstar. I hated a lot of them. I still would drink the whole thing, but I, I didn't uh, didn't love all of them. I did like Venom because Venom tastes like Monster, but Monster was my favorite. But um, I always loved Nos, and now I've graduated to to Nos. And Red Bull obviously is the OG. But the thing about Red Bull is it's kind of like the five hour energy energy drinks where it's like, here's how much you get, same amount of caffeine. I don't need more caffeine. I just need caffeine spread out. Like I like a good spread i like the taste and the flavor and the uh yeah, the, the ginseng and the but i don't like i don't i don't need it to all be packed down into like one like 
shot. Like, yeah. the five hour energy is like you like it make you wake up. I'm like, it I will say like uh, actually a great joke from uh, Bob's Burgers. Uh, Aunt Gail comes over. She goes, Luis, I got has presents for all the kids, and she has no money. She goes four hour energy. I saved you the last forty five minutes. That's good stuff. That, and I, that's just good stuff. You got to admit that. I will say, you're the only person I know that just consistently, there's like over, a, I mean, over a course of a day, will drink like one energy drink. Yeah. But does it like every day? Yeah. It's like, I mean, you know, it's you're, not, you're not buying six iced coffee with a day. You're just drinking one NOS over. Yeah. I mean, 12, I, I thought just for myself. I'm like, yeah, I don't drink coffee. I drink this. But I think it's probably worse for you than coffee. Probably. Because uh, of the sugar content. But I mean, it's it's got less caffeine than five cups of coffee. It's just one cup, basically. But it's not good for you, no. No, definitely not. But we're not here to litigate my caffeine intake. What we're here to do is say my other honorable mention, which thank you very much, Don, for teaming up for that. Which is, of course, an old episode, one of our best episodes. I'm not just saying that as hyperbole. At the time when we recorded it, it was the best episode of the Dylan Joe Basement podcast. You had a great guest is, for it. Which is Harry Hardini. As Alex Skippy Wheeler said, also known as Harry Houdini, one of the original Daredevils and stuntmen. He did not just uh, crazy stunts, but he also set the world on fire with his uh, his magic. And he famously, as we said in the episode, he was like, I'm really doing this shit. And he set the standard for people like David Blaine and uh, Chris Angel. all the kinds of tricksters in the future. Chris Angel, for sure, yeah. Punk I don't like Chris Angel that much because I don't like mind freaks. But uh, but yeah, Harry Judy, shout out to you for sure. Dom, any honorable mentions for you before you get to your uh, your final dare? Uh, I do have one honorable mention that uh, I did kind of already bring up a little bit when I, I didn't really even realize I was doing it. But uh, and that is Danny Way when we were making fun of. Oh yeah, he jumped ten widths of buses. Mm-hmm. So I already talked about him jumping over the Great Wall of China with a broken ankle. But another thing Badass. he did was uh, set and as far as I know, it hasn't been broken yet, but I haven't really looked into it. But he actually set um, the land speed record on a skateboard. Wow. By, talk, about, talk about speed wobbles. Yes. And actually, uh, it's he had a lot of help from Rob Deerdeck to do this. Uh, they, Who's that? Uh, Rob Deerdeck. <laughs> you know, he's got a fantasy factory. It's not exactly a Nitro Circus, but it is a factory of fantasy. It is. MTV star Rob Deerdeck. Incredible. He was a skateboarder who is a much better businessman and marketer than he was at skating. No, he's very good at skating. Don't forget that. But yeah. I'm not saying he was bad at skating. He, uh, I'm saying he was better he at marketing the business than skating. probably one of the best businessmen of all time yes, for what he's been able to do definitely. just off of MTV giving him a show. And he could skate, too. Yeah. Don't think of him as a bad skater. Think of him as the best skating businessman to ever exist. Yes. I mean, even Bam Margera was a pro skateboarder before they started Jackass. Mm-hmm. And even Tony Hawk, who is a great businessman, I'm sure, is a skater first. But in my mind, Rob Deerdeck is a businessman first who's a great skater. Yes. Nowadays, yes. Yeah, I mean, he did transform into that. He did not originate as that, obviously. I'm not saying he started business. And no one starts making a million dollars and goes, hey, how about I put some knee pads on? I'm just saying that his talents are more business than skate, and well, Tony Hawk's talents are more skate than business. Put a put a pin in that whole concept. That's all I'm saying. I will finish my... Uh, my uh, I'm not saying mention. Rob's a bad skater. 
with uh, Daniel Wade. So they made this special skateboard. It was super long, but it wasn't a regular, it wasn't like a long board. It was still built like a skateboard, stiff trucks, you know, yep. harder wheels, but it was just longer. And he held on to, you've heard of a T-Rex? Was the shape the same too? It was pretty like similar. Wide. It was a little different. Sure. It wasn't like a one of those long pintail long boards you see Venice Beach stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know what T Rex is? It's a it's like a three wheel. Yeah, the Tyrant Lizard King of the Cretaceous period. Obviously, I've heard of him. It's uh, it's this vehicle. It's or her. Uh, two wheels in the front, one wheel in the back, but it's like fucking fast and it looks really sporty. But you drive it's a two seater car. Um, oh, I, I've heard that be called a slingshot. This came before the slingshot. These are a lot smaller. Uh, I'm, right, sure, we'll I'm sure you can put on, a picture The picture up. will be yeah. here. Actually, usually I say here, but I don't even know what it's like now. We we'll have a new find system. out. Maybe, maybe it's, who knows where maybe it is. Maybe it's right it's here somewhere. Here. Yeah, maybe it's um, on Dom's face. Who knows? This is what it looks like. But uh, Rob Dude, This is what I want you to do. I <laughs> <laughs> was driving the That's T-Rex. And uh, Daniel Wade was holding on to the back of it. I mean, they had like a special brace for him to hold on to. It wasn't just holding on to the body of it. Also known as skitching. Yes. And he pulled him, but what he did do in order to make the record is he had to let go, because otherwise he's just being pulled. And he right. rode at that speed. Now, obviously, they practiced it a lot at multiple speeds to get it. So, like, you know, he didn't hit the bar. The object didn't drive too far away, because obviously he doesn't have too much control over what he's doing. But uh, if my memory hits me correctly, he reached 120 miles an hour. Holy crap! Can you imagine that? It's like sticking your Head out of the window on the highway, double it. Yeah, I mean, he had full crash. He had like the aerodynamic helmet on. I mean, even wow. I obviously I'm immediately doubting myself when I said 120. My next thought is 90, it seems which high. is still 90 miles an hour. I, I mean, on even a, even going 50 on a skateboard would feel like you're gonna yeah. die. I've done I've done 25. It's it's. I mean, I've done I've done. Uh, 57 on a snowboard and it is terrifying but you, dude 25 on a bike is scary 25 on a board god yeah. damn that is fucking that what a bad so ass. that's so that's my honorable mention which uh brings us to our last daredevil, daredevil which uh when we first when joe first came to me with this daredevil idea i had another idea and as susie as said daredevil i thought we have to do this because this one particular daredevil who you know, the one I know the most about, you know, I kind of like, I looked up to him. He was great. Like, it was devastating when I found out that he passed away. And that's why we're talking about him is because he just passed away last week. Just last week, yeah. <laughs> and that is Ken Block. Now, different than most, or what I was trying to say, where you were talking about Rob Dudek, you know, he's not a businessman and then a skateboarder. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where Ken Block is different. He created DC Shoes. And that was that. kind of the first. I mean, obviously, you know, he was skateboarder, snowboarder, stuff like that. Sure. And you know, he was the owner, the creative CEO. Built up. He teamed up with Rob Dudek pretty early on. They were good friends before that. Helped the brand grow. Anytime Rob had a question about, like, oh, can we do this? He was like, yeah, let's talk about it. Why not? Anytime Cam Block was like, I'm thinking of doing this. I don't know if it's too crazy. You go to Rob Dudek. To the point where it built up enough, they were making a ton of money off of it. Then Ken Block decided to step away from the company to pursue his real passion of rally driving. That's how I know him. I don't know him as a skateboarder. Yeah. And he's, he was 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, in rally driving, he yeah. really, he went into rally driving and he just dominated. He was a fantastic driver. Uh, sponsorships with Subaru, eventually Ford. His last one was Audi. Uh, started the brand Hoonigans. You ever see Hoonigan? Oh, that guy drives like a, it used to be, oh, he's a hooligan. Cam Block was like, no, I'm a Hoonigan. He started the brand as a whole big company to the point, another business where he was able to step back from and just keep going with his racing. I just can't imagine the drive in folks like that. They've already reached the peak of not only their sport, but the, the world of business and making money and being like, not enough, got to have more. I mean, just that drive that, that's the kind of thing it brings you there. Like, I think it's more likely that someone could start a successful business twice than once. Like, yeah. if you can do it once, you can do it again. If you you can't do it once, you're like most people. Right? So that's very impressive on its own right. But then to have that safety, security, and comfort blanket of being like, I- I'm fine, and being like, I'm not done. I'm going to even risk it more, be embarrassed, try harder. And, I mean, it's just it's very impressive in its own right because you don't have to. You don't have to no, do it. No, but he wanted to, and he did it. I mean, he, he won, uh, I forget what year it was. I want to say it was like maybe 2003, uh, Amateur Rally Driver of the Year. So right out of the gate, he was doing great with it. And you might, you might, you might be with people where their whole life was just to do that. Yeah, and he, had already and he was like, I want to do this. Like, I'm going to do this too. And, uh, you know, some people watching this might go, oh, well, compared to everyone else, rally driving, that's not daredevilish. Well, that's not the only thing he did. That's what, like, that was his job. Yeah, plenty of other shit. And, and he used again, to do. for people like normal folks, that still would be daredevilish to put you. Yes, I mean, rally driving you... isn't just a roller coaster; it's putting your life at risk. Yeah, any it's moment. going eighty miles an hour over enough of a hill that you get airborne. Hairpin turns as well. Yeah, so, I mean, is. there's a. I mean, just ask Sammy. Sammy, listen, Sammy, listen to me. Um, there's a. <laughs> Hopefully, a, I'll put that. He in. had a, he had a video that he just shared. I followed Ken Block was very active on Instagram. I saw a lot of stuff. He would, you know, post videos and pick from old races or every time he crashed, he would take detailed pictures of the car after and explain everything that happened. And he was very good with the community for racing. Um, but I remember he, he coined this phrase, ain't care for a rally. Cause the whole thing is no matter what, as soon as you start, you have to get to the end. Rally drivers are a rare breed. They don't care what happens. They're going to do it. I've seen them crack windshields and they kick it out. And they keep driving. And they just like put goggles on, and it's like snowing. Uh, just make it to the end. This time, Ken Block lost his front right tire. Oh, sorry, uh, his front left tire. So it was yeah. the car was going like this. So his co-driver got out, grabbed on, and leaned out, and it balanced the car out enough so they could finish the race with only three wheels. Wow! And it was the this that was wild. the term. Ain't care. You ain't care. You're gonna get it done. Yeah. Um, but, uh, one thing that I really liked about it, like, I think it was daredevil-ish thing is he had a, a Ford Raptor pickup truck on tracks and he lives in parks, lived in Park City, Utah, and he would drive up to the top of the mountain with his two Huskies in the back, some in the passenger seat to get up top. Excuse me, on tracks, like a snowmobile kind of thing? Yeah. Four tracks instead of four tires. Wow. That's nuts. And he'd drive, drive up the mountain. Wow. Famous mountain in Park City, Utah. And he'd get up there. He'd get out, take his two dogs, grab his snowboard. The guy that was with him would drive the truck back down, 
he would go down the mountain through like not trails just the mountain his yeah. two huskies chasing after him because they love the snow they would like jump off of stuff and dig in and he'd just ride That's back awesome. down to the street basically get back in the truck go home amazing the life the life man and uh as we were talking a little before, the looking evil and I was evil looking evil, something like that. I don't know. And then we were talking about the crocodile hunter. Kemblock mm. didn't die in a a rally race. He didn't die snowboarding. It was a snowmobile accident. Snowmobile. There's not a lot of details on it right now because it's, it's so recent. But it if, might come out. It might never come out. This know? is it's true. It might not. They pass away. Their family doesn't have to give the whole public all their fucking shit if they don't want to. You know. Basically, he, he crashed, and just, it was, they say that he died on impact, but that's all we know about it right now. Wow. It's wild. But again, um, he didn't die fighting a seven-year bout with colon cancer. He died. Running, yes, he died doing up. doing what he loved for sure. That's absolutely It is unfortunate, right. but it's, you know, as I said, it's part of it. It's, it's, it's part of it. Chasing, but not reaching death. Exactly, and then eventually you do reach it, but you don't pick one. No. But uh, so that that is uh, as great as Evil is, and I know this isn't a top ten. I'm on a personal level, I'm picking ten block. <laughs> Dom cannot be on the basement <laughs> and not do a top ten. It's he's so hardwired. He almost forgets that he did a pirate episode before. Oh, don't worry, podcast. I remember that. That's the only non-top ten I've ever done, <laughs> except for one time we did top five. <laughs> that wasn't even but top. Still, good stuff, man. Good yeah, stuff. There it goes. Do you get any? Uh... Oh, actually, hold on. Let's let's do a toast to Ken Block. All right, let's do it. And then uh, we'll see if we have any uh, final thoughts on oh, well, we'll on their thoughts. But yeah, yeah. If we can give it to Kenny, we can give it to Ken Block. Uh, rest in peace. And I think that that was actually a great bow to put on the whole thing, man, because. We've gone through all these stories of these these legendary humans that are just wild people, and they just risk life and limb. And what happens when you risk life and limb is that you lose life and limb, and that's part of why it's so impressive that you'd even put yourself in that situation. And again, it's not risking all that to make it from poverty into comfortability. Is people have what they need, and they still chase that dragon until eventually the dragon eats them, whether it is. You know, you can get whipped by the dragon's tail and still die. You don't have to get burned to death by the fire. Like you, it just the very act of chasing it is the thrill of it. And we aren't all built for that, but we're we're all impressed by it alone. And uh, I'll let you give the toast to to Ken Blog if you don't if you don't mind. All right, yeah, let's see what I can think of here. Here's the swimming. No, I'm gonna do an actual Ken Block toast. Hold on, I gotta think of this. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> I was trying to fill the dead air. Uh, dead air. All right, whatever. I'll fucking. We'll just uh, a toast to Ken Block, a true pioneer. Absolutely. So, as far as uh, Daredevils go, got anything else to say about them? No, I think that means it's time for a final thought. This is rock and roll. Final thoughts. Dom, would you like to start us off or would you like me to start? 
Because usually um, I'd say you're the guest, but you're not the guest now. You're also the co-host. This is true. So I'm going to I'm going to have you start since I'm new to co-hosting. All right. Well, I'll just continue what I was about to say. I got too passionate about it, and then I started doing final thoughts before we even did the toast. Passion. So yeah, it's postulum. Mostly like that. I, I guess I just have to say what we've been talking about the whole time, which is that yeah, these people are insanely impressive. I am not inclined to do this kind of stuff. I, I like thrilling stuff. I like you know roller coasters, driving fast, whatever it is. But I'm much less inclined to that risk-averse behavior where it's like, oh, I could just jump off a mountain and like it's so scary and thrilling, but I want to do it. And a lot of people are more inclined to that. And again, I think it's a born-in thing where you can either nurture it or you can suppress it. But I don't think that everyone has the potential to be a Ken Block or an Evil Knievel or you know, even a, a Harry Houdini, it's, you have to have that itch in you that makes you want to do things like this and risk it. Chlamydia. You got it. Yeah. It's itchy and you got to risk it to get the biscuit as they say. So basically it's high risk, high reward. Like many things in life. I think most people have that high risk behavior. They live very thrilling lives, but just because you have a high risk tendency doesn't mean you're going to be a daredevil. You could get into gambling. You could, <laughs> get into hopscotch. There's all kinds of ways to do it. But these people we're talking about today, uh, they went above and beyond, and now they're going to be legends forever. And I think it's very impressive. And much like many things that people are impressed by, I'm more impressed by it because I can't picture myself doing it. Obviously, the hobbies you get into or your interests, you can be more detailed in it. So you can be like, oh, I, I know the intricacies of why it's so good that a person can you know, be a comedian or act this way or whatever, things that I like to do but for daredevil it's just like i can't even get to the beginning of it like it's completely out of my purview all i can say is that it's super impressive super risky and not only do people break bones and break hearts in the meantime they uh they change what people think humans can do and i think that's a very important part about what they do because all these people we listed today did something that people said, you can't do that. And they said, nah, fuck you. I can do it. And watch me. And we all watch and we all cheer. And uh, I'm glad they exist. I don't want to do it. I don't want anyone I love to do it. I don't want anyone to do it that I'm worried about. And even them, I'm like, oh, don't do it. It's so scary. But hell if it ain't a good thing to watch. And I'm glad they're pushing the limits because... You need to push the limits to see how far humanity can go, and no one pushed the limits more viscerally or aggressively than the Daredevils, and I think they deserve the credit that they're due. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, really just pushing the limits of human potential. One more time. Whether they're doing it to show that it can be done or doing it because they want to say like to themselves, oh, I can do this. You don't have to like connect with them to kind of be like, oh, that's so cool that they said that everyone said you can't do that. And they were like, fuck you, I'm going to do it. And they did it. That's so cool. Whether you have yeah. that own ambition in your life for I mean, even just a little thing, whether you have it or not, I think most people can look at that and respect it. And I, again, I think it's so important to think, you know, think through their head and be like, yeah, no, it's not that they're not scared to death. It's that it's, being close to it is what pushes them to keep doing it. Exactly. They have that fear, but they push past it. 
they thrive off of it. Yeah. All right. Well, I think uh, right. I think that's Daredevils. So yeah, uh, I think we should wrap it up. Uh, I'm I'm glad we did this this pod tonight, folks. Unfortunately, we're going to try to raise that money and get Dylan billed out. I mean, obviously his hearing won't come up for some months now, but you know as well as I do that the American justice system is rough. We're going to try to bail him out with the money we raised tonight on our Patreon, our OnlyFans, and on our GoFundMe. We're going to try to raise some money to get him bailed out of there, and uh, hopefully. His injuries for the catalytic converter falling on his face will be solved. We have to pay for his medical bills. I forgot to say, medical bills also need to be paid. Uh, but we'll get him out of here, and he'll be back here next week for the pod, and he'll be right back on with us, uh, God willing. Um, but uh, I, I don't even know how to do this without him, but I guess uh, we're doing, I'm our doing best, it right really. now. I'm doing what Dylan does right now, which is instead of ending the show, starting to go on a 12-minute rant. Talk, talk. Well, let, me, let me take your job and end it. Let's do it. So, uh, that's what we've been up to. I'm Dom. I like to party. I'm Joe, and I like to party. And this has been the very first episode of Toilet Wines. <laughs> we'll see you next week, folks. Dare to be crazy. <laughs> love it. And Fucking small love drum it. called Tom Tom. <laughs> Where someone's about ghost fires, but kill someone, and the guy goes, "Please have mercy." He goes, "Sorry, all out of mercy," and, on every and kills him. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, "That's so fucking cool." How is he? Um, he's in that Tesla that they shot up a couple of years ago. <laughs> they put him in the Tesla. He's not. He's not the spaceman mannequin. He's in the trunk. Yeah, the front. He's in the front because it's an electric car. <laughs> all right, he's in the front. He's gonna get crunk in the front. <laughs> Three, four, one, two, yeah, three, four. But we're not here to litigate my caffeine intake. What we're here to do is, uh, it had already happened, which Barnum and Bailey and the Ringling Brothers merged together to make Ringling Brothers at Barley and Bainham. Yep. Yeah, exactly what you said. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. Everybody, everybody gets one. Right, Spider-Man? Everybody gets one, right? The French Spider-Man told me that. <laughs> everybody gets one. Allez, no rebelle. Everybody gets one. <laughs> he did crash a lot just like Johnny Blaze and only thing is as far as we know Evil Knievel didn't sell his soul to the devil well as far as we know but it very well could have been he was of, of course he used to be called <laughs> Goody Canoody before he went to hell <laughs> and he literally <laughs> had to change his name she would come in and she yeah. would do the work on the cars. Uh, she was a mechanic. She actually started uh, the first all-woman, woman-only mechanic shop. Nice. And But uh, and that's what kind of got her started into racing. And then she started doing... Uh, I don't know what the shop was called, but I know what it wasn't called. Mufflers? Nuts and bolts. <laughs> <laughs> it was called mufflers. Yes. There it is. It was called great mufflers. <laughs> Learns. Yeah, sorry, we ran, <laughs> we ran out of room on our sign. We had to put that part under it. Um, right, we can do this for 10 minutes. Good. Instant transmission. I'll <laughs> say <laughs> so shouts out to him and his son, Robbie, who followed in his footsteps, which I'm sure his mother was thrilled about. Yes. Um, uh, it's not like a Ziggy Marley thing. It's like a you're going to kill Damian yourself. Marley thing.
<laughs> Count it. Let's go. That's going to the end of the bar. Sure. <laughs> yes, Jesus. That's my king. Praise you. <laughs>